My name is Dan Scully, and welcome to I Like to Movie Movie. My name is Garrett Smith. <laughs> I was so Holy moly. enjoyed by you guys laughing at that delivery as your faces on my screen melded into one. <laughs> that I, I dropped my name before the title um, and fine. screwed up the whole rhythm. It's but, fine. Uh, it worked. So it goes, so it goes. Something but about the way to, you like said movie, movie. tomatoes really just took me for a whole ride. <laughs> well, that's why beforehand I said I'm just going to see how it falls out. Because I was yeah. like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that thing where you you commit to a word and then change your mind, <laughs> and I was gonna try and recreate that artificially, and I think I got there. You you nailed it. I think I got there. Tomatoes. I had a visceral it reaction to, to, to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, fried green tomatoes, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> and welcome to I like to movie movie. Yes, um, back. we are back uh, once again. Yeah. And so we are joined by a couple special guests. Uh, one of them was very recently on the show, and that is a Mr. Ryan Silverstein. My name is Ryan Silverstein, and I like to movie movie. <laughs> oh hell yeah! And that's our show. <laughs> Dang it! Now I gotta do. Now, he's. I get it. He's going backwards through this episode. Spoiler alert! He's traveling the other direction through this episode. Well, we'll meet in the middle. Yeah. I thought about committing to that bit, and then, like, I would just start talking back, like, just responding to stuff that you guys haven't said yet, and then it made my brain hurt, and I would, gave up. It would be You like thought about scene. committing to it. I already committed to it in the future. <laughs> yeah. We're good. It would be like that scene that was definitely just the same scene from Hobbs and Shaw, where the conversation happens, like, twice on two sides of a wall, <laughs> and you hear, like, only parts of it in different directions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when they entered that hallway and they each took their own door, I was like, I've seen this movie before. Oh, that's what I kept thinking about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going to be uh, uh, spoiler-heavy on Tenet today. I mean, I think listeners of our show know that we spoil what we're talking about, but since it's Tenet... I feel like it's worth and, saying right now, think, right up before top. Before we spoil the movie, even though I yeah. can't see her on the screen, we do have one more guest. I know, I know. I just, I wanted, I just wanted to say it before any more Tenet conversation happened. Fair enough, yes. Uh, we are talking about Tenet. Yes. Uh, I was like, did this asshole sit next to me already forget about <laughs> no, me? No, no, no. <laughs> I, just, I realized I was literally already spoiling details of the movie we were talking about. I guess that's fair. So welcome, Tori Potenza, oh, to the show. Hello. <laughs> uh, host of uh, Butter With That. Indeed. And my partner who lives in our house. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So we are talking tenant. We're talking tenant. <laughs> We're talking tenant. Uh, you talking tenant to me? Are you talking tenant to me? <laughs> are you talking tenant to me? Uh, and yeah. Okay. I'm very excited that we have Ryan here. <laughs> you, you talking tenant bombs to me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is in the vein of that show. We'll get it to somewhere else. Oh, man. Uh. Now I'm trying to imagine uh, the, like a, a Wes Anderson, Christopher Nolan movie. Yes. Like a Wes Anderson movie that has like a science fiction element to it. I don't think he's yeah. done that. Now, now, think, now I'm thinking of an Adam Scott, Scott Ackerman yes. podcast about a Wes Anderson, Christopher Nolan movie. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I would actually love to see Wes Anderson do something in space because his design of space would not look like space a la Star Wars. Right. It would look like a space playset. 
And I think that kind of marrying that playset aesthetic to like, you know, like this island earth looking <laughs> sci-fi is something that Wes Anderson could play around in quite effectively. Yeah, he uh what would he do? His movie would be like somehow like a like a NASA training video. It would be like about like people making like, you know, NASA training videos on a space station. Ooh, that would be pretty good. Right? Of course Goldblum something... would be there. Yeah, yeah. The thing about space is, um, <laughs> oh, it's so, it's vast. I mean, uh, further than you could ever think. You know, <laughs> just, And then, of course, you know, he would make reference, they would make some cheesy reference to him just being like, well, if we want to, you know, catch up to the satellite, we uh, must go faster. We must go faster. And everyone yeah. would be like, I know what you're doing. This is a good movie. <laughs> uh, well, okay, so. That's <laughs> what so they'd say out loud at the screen. Uh, Guys, I slept till 11. I am jacked up. I know you're ready to go. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Uh, so here's the deal: we uh, this is, uh, podcast is going to drop like a day late because uh, Tori and I kind of last minute decided to actually leave our house for the first time since March mm-hmm. and uh, go to see a movie. Um, and we went the way you should go see a movie if you're going to go see a movie right now. We went to the drive-in and we saw Tenet, which meant we could do a Tenet episode. So we're dropping it. We're doing it now. <laughs> I think it's so cool uh, as a tiny little minuscule, just like almost imperceptible silver lining around the uh, cloud that is COVID is that drive-ins are experiencing a comeback. And I think mm-hmm. that's super fucking cool. Oh, yeah. um, would I trade it for? Uh, yeah, I would. I would trade it for normalcy. But uh, <laughs> as, a, as a compensation, a consolation prize for uh, having no normalcy left, uh, I'm really digging that these drive-ins are taking off. That's fucking cool. I mean, the movie was sold out all weekend. Mm-hmm. We got tickets for Sunday night because it was already sold out for Friday and Saturday when we looked. And I would imagine that Sunday sold out based on the crowd. It looked like they filled the whole thing. They even had to like start a new row of cars in front of us. Oh, uh, cool. So like they're doing what? Well, like yeah. these movies are crowded, you know, like people want to go do that and they are going to do it. I will say, so we went to um, the PFS at the Navy Yard, um, which was a pretty good experience. Yeah. I would say, it's like, you know, Kind of a small screen for a drive-in, but, you know, it was still a big screen. Um, but the biggest problem is that it's not far from the Philadelphia airport. Yeah. Uh, oh, so no. <laughs> while watching this Michael Mann-inspired movie, as all Nolan movies are, we were uh, there were planes flying overhead the whole time, which made it feel even more Michael Mann-like. But there was one point when they were at the airport uh-huh. and the plane in the movie and the plane overhead... Uh-huh combined and up. it felt perfect well, yep one was going one direction the other was going the other and they yep. synced up perfectly right there at yep. that moment in the so, movie. You're, so you're telling me you had the ideal christopher nolan sound experience what he wants to do with sound was actually happening at the screening yep. of the movie that we saw so what i will say is just a little caveat on our viewing is just there were definitely some moments where and again i mean this is a complaint people have about this movie and some of his other movies anyway but some of the dialogue was drowned out by airplanes, uh, <laughs> and it may have been important dialogue occasionally. So, yeah, I, I saw a uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon at the Navy Yard drive-in, and I was just far back to be like, hmm, maybe I should make a, an appointment for new classes because I'm struggling <laughs> to read these subtitles. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> but look at that lady fly. Um, but it, and again, like that's a movie where like you can, I mean, Ang Lee's so good at visuals that you can actually follow the entire. The broad strokes of the story, at least. Uh, and I do believe that is Nolan's intention with his movies and why he chooses to do the sound design that he does is that he's attempting to get across these things as visually as he can. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So that you can understand. But I think, too, that, 
I have a very big aversion to shaky cam. And the reason that shaky cam was first invoked is that much like a certain lens flare or, you know, like anything like that, it, it kind of like bends the reality of it, sort of reminds you that it's a movie, but in effort tries to conjure some sense of realism. And I think that handheld is trying to conjure like this is documentary. Yeah. And we've seen it get bastardized to the point where it's just incoherent. I think that there's a little bit of trying to make it documentary is a little bit of Nolan's intentions with the sound. Yeah. Because I remember seeing Ghost Protocol at the IMAX when they had the first few minutes of The Dark Knight Rises. Mm-hmm. And that was before they rejiggered Bane's yeah. audio. And it was a really a struggle to hear his audio, but it sounded on the screen what it would sound like if you were in that room. And whereas, you know, we can argue till we're blue in the face over whether that is a narratively sound choice or not. (laughs) I definitely I think what he's trying to do is what shaky cam was invented to do. But I think much the same way that shaky cam gets abused. uh, I think I don't have the huge problems with Nolan sound that everyone has, but I do think that he could work on that a bit. Yeah, from from my perspective, I think there's a lot of people that get hung up on not being able to hear the dialogue when the point is to just let it go. Mm-hmm. And so, like, once I got, like, because I had even heard when I, the first time I saw Tenet, I was like, okay, people are complaining about the dialogue. If I'm not able to hear it, like, I'm just going to go with it and see how far I get. And I think... You know, because similar to Dunkirk, like Dunkirk, I remember taking my father-in-law to, and we were like, all right, don't think about the dialogue. Like, you won't be able to hear some of it. It's fine. You don't need to know any. And I feel like there are people that get, and it's not wrong because they're watching movies the way that movies are mm-hmm. normally sound mixed. Um, but I think people get hung up on trying to hear every word of the dialogue, expecting that there will be some grand explanation about this whole thing especially in the plot of this movie and i don't think there really is i was gonna say yeah like my i definitely uh like agree with i like i agree with your point dan that i do think that that is the thing he's trying to achieve Mm -hmm. like that's what he's driving at um and ryan i definitely agree that like i and and i actually i had a mostly good experience with tenant to get that Mm -hmm. off the bat i had a mostly good experience with tenant and it was mostly due to really just allowing myself exactly what you're saying to just, just go for the ride. Like just don't get too hung up on the details or the specifics, like just go for the ride. And it is pretty enjoyable on that level. I think, I think to credit the movie, I found it pretty instructive as to when I could and couldn't tune in and out. Yep. I, I actually thought, and, and that was something that, cause I, I came out of it not thinking it was as convoluted as confusing as, as, as it was purported to be convoluted to the word because it's a lot going on. Yeah. But uh, I, I was never lost. And I think it was because like, it just told me when it was time to just trust the process and when it was time to listen for the exposition. Yeah. Uh, I think it did a really good job with that. Here's what I'll say though, is I do think in a movie where, and I, for me, one of the major problems that this movie might have is that it's like intentionally very confusing. I do think it's confusing. I don't think it's confusing in the ways that I have heard most people complain about it. I don't think the actual mechanics of like the time travel Mm -hmm. are confusing really. I think for the most part, I gathered a lot of that. It gets confusing in the literal plot eventually. Like I genuinely did not understand what the goal of the entire final half hour of the movie was until they pulled that object out of the the space that they were attacking. When they finally Mm, picked that thing up, I was like, oh, that's why we're here. I literally spent the whole sequence being like, 
this looks cool. I genuinely don't know what we're doing. I don't know why yeah. we're here and I don't know what the purpose of any of this is. And it that is, I think, genuinely a pro. If you're in the actual finale of the movie and you don't understand the goal of the finale, that is a problem. That's like very a frustrating experience. And I think that it's like, and it's the result of, I think the movie is intentionally a little bit confusing. And that's where I have problems with things like the sound design where it's like, I agree, you don't need to hear everything. You can pretty much follow without it. Except that, he's every step of the way confusing me and on purpose confusing me. So I am having the experience of like, wait, I need every little piece of this. Mm. I, I have to understand what they're saying because I need to be able to unlock what's happening at a certain point because I've totally lost the thread. You and know what I mean? It's frustrating when the movie continually is like, stop trying to pay attention, you idiot. You know, and which I'm like, but like, but I want to know what's going on. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah, let me in. <laughs> I, I do. I think the movie has a problem with just the emotional stakes the, the mm -hmm. things that I was confused about and not clear on were why I should care about what was happening. I knew what was happening for the most part. I just didn't really know why. I knew two teams were attacking a secret Soviet city at the end. I knew one of them was going forwards and one was going backwards. I knew that's what was happening. I had no idea why. I did not know why that was happening or what was to be accomplished by that happening. Right. And and I think I think that that's totally fair. Um, for me, uh, I've now seen it twice um, yeah. under very idealized conditions. Um, yeah. But the first time I had the big picture clear, I hadn't sorted out all of the details about when some of those things take place. And we yeah. can talk through all those details if you guys want to. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I had the big picture. Like, I knew that, Don't like, want to do it. Um, they had to, like, what... Brana's plan was what they were trying to stop, all that kind of stuff. Like I picked up on all of those. It was like, and then moment to moment, like literally moment to moment, I knew what every character's immediate next goal was. Like, okay, we got to get to this tunnel. And then once we're in the tunnel, we got to get the thing. It was like the middle ground of like, I don't understand why there is a battle featuring a hundred people I when know. like, it's like they're fighting like two guys. Like I, there's a bunch of that stuff that is lost for me, yeah. but it's like, I got the micro and the macro and it was that middle, like, mm -hmm. I don't understand what the other goals are. And some of that stuff definitely got cleared up on a second viewing. And and I'm not saying that as a positive of the movie, but yeah. more about like a, it is all in there. It really is difficult to pick it up because, you know, I think the, I think they do a good job explaining as much of the time travel mechanics as they can. And then they mm -hmm. just show it and you're kind of like, okay, like I mostly wrap my head around yeah. this, but the, the way the conspiracy of Tenet and what that is and what that organization is was something that like when I saw it with Jill my second time her first time we literally spent the hour on the way home like talking through like okay what is Tenet and then when yeah. does this happen yeah, and when does that happen and I how do they know about that questions so. about certain specifics that I want to talk about here in this conversation but I wanted to kind of get the overall impression out first which was like I enjoyed this movie. You know, it was like a, it was a decent experience. I especially like the actors. I think the actors are all mm -hmm. tremendous in this and they're like very entertaining, especially when I frankly don't think any of them are given really anything to do. Mm -hmm. I don't think the script is very good, especially dialogue wise. And they're all super charming and like really bring a lot of dimension to these characters that I don't think is really like in the script. So it's like, on that level, it's like, it's great, but that also then becomes part of the frustrating experience of like, this movie is weirdly frustrating because it's like, I I want to enjoy these characters even more 
and just like know anything about that. You know what I mean? It's like it's so that's where that's the thing that that was initially my issue with the movie. This is the kind of movie I liked it a lot coming out of it, but I like it more when I look back as I just begin to love it for what it is. And uh, that's my big issue with it is that I I didn't have any trouble following it. I saw a lot of cool things. I'm sure there'll be more cool things that you can recognize in a rewatch. I saw a lot of cool things that I was like, oh, it's all. You know, it's all there. Uh, you know, but whether it's compelling to watch or not depends on your level of engagement with that whole device. But I had no level of engagement with it on a character sense. Yeah, I did not really know anything about these characters. And on the one hand, if I you know defend it as a choice, I do like the idea of like, no, these aren't people. These are people who exist in the periphery of time and they keep everything in check. And you just got to trust that they're there. Mm-hmm. You don't want to know them. They don't want to know you. I'm a rebel daddy. You know, like that kind of thing. They're just <laughs> in that world. But at the same time, that's also what the impossible, impossible mission force does. And I love and care about many of the characters on the roster. So, like, there is the ability there. And I don't know. I guess where I brush up against it is I don't know what the movie's intentions are. Is that a choice or is it a failure of writing good characters? Yeah. Well, Either way, I don't know if it's a success. I, yeah. Well, I, I think to your point, Dan, I think it's definitely a choice because they do litter. And I think this is some of the bad dialogue, but it, it's a little bit the point of of the organization, too. But like they literally refer to themselves as protagonists and antagonists. Yeah. I think it's a little bit the point that these are, are characters without a lot of shape or dimension. They are literally meant to fill the sort of like prototype roles of a story like this. But that said, so this is a, I mean, I, I don't want to like too much poop all over this movie or anything, but. I do think that's a, a, an issue with this movie where I kept saying to Tori, we had, so, I mean, just so the listeners are aware, we watched a Sylvester Stallone movie the morning we went to see Tenet. So I had so Sylvester Stallone in my mind. impossibly right. high set. No, but here's my point, Especially though. Especially given that it was over the top. Right, right, it was over the top. That was what we watched. <laughs> my point, though, is that a Sylvester Stallone version of this movie would be a really fun movie because I would know very clearly the emotional stakes of his character and why he was going through all this time stuff. Yeah. And what I think the movie does well is the time stuff and the set pieces. It does that stuff really well. That stuff's really cool. It's really fun in a movie that is dumb and straightforward and is just a vehicle for those time mechanics and those set pieces. I would find it very enjoyable. I think the Sylvester Stallone version of this movie would probably be a ton of fun. But it would the be act- time cop. Probably, yeah. But the actual... <laughs> Just with Stallone instead of Van Damme. Right, but this movie has the air of a more serious, more complicated, more interesting movie, and I don't think any of the things it's doing to give it that air really work. They're not that interesting. They don't... They are not that compelling. They don't... You know what I mean? Like, those yeah. parts of the movie are where the movie is falling apart for me, and so I almost The movie wish- is all plot. Right. This is like a machine of check out this fun way I've decided to unspool a plot on you. Right. And I think that's a, I mean, and it and, sucks because you watch something like Inception and Inception has that same sort of I'm going to teach you how to watch this movie. Yeah. But like you do care about Cobb. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and you do care about his whole roster of, of goons yeah. that, that like help him get through They're not goons, but like, <laughs> uh, that, you know, to help him get through the whole dream world. Like that's so like it's not that Nolan's incapable. Right. Um so yeah, just that, it's, that it's feels strange to me is that like the movie overall feels like I actually would have liked the 90 minute dumb blockbuster that is in this movie. Well, Dude, have you helped. seen Time Cop? I haven't actually. I probably it's really awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, it 
it felt like I would have been okay with that if it felt like it's stuck with being like a weird sci-fi James Bond, like yeah. the first 20, 30 minutes of yeah. the movie. Yeah. Cause I thought that was the most entertaining part. Like yes. he's going around being charismatic as fuck, like interacting with like Michael Caine and all these other like weird characters in different places. And I thought that was so much fun. But then when they're really like getting into like the action of it and going about their business, like characters aren't really interacting with like that with each other anymore. And they're just like fighting and in this crazy battle where I don't even see one side of the battle. Yeah. Like, and so I feel like if it had stuck with that initial, like James Bond kind of movie, it would have stayed entertaining because like, similarly, like, I don't think like you know that much about like a James Bond right. type or anything, but those are still like really fun to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would have been a cool movie. Yeah, for sure. You know, to do like like true like time espionage. Yeah. Whereas yes. this ultimately ends up feeling more like time heist. Yeah. Like it shifts mm -hmm. into time heist from time. I, I'm so happy to be saying that sentence. And have everybody know what I'm talking about. When it shifts from time espionage to time heist, I yeah. do think there is something lost. I I would like to see that time espionage yeah. movie. Yeah. That said, if there were to ever to be a a, a tenet sequel. 11 alignment it would be essentially that is the tool here the lens would be pulled even wider and it would probably be in the periphery a little more espionage a little less heist <laughs> but i do think this movie seems to hedge its bets on becoming a series a little bit mm. there's a lot that feels like it's left on the table by the end that I, like by the end the tori said this earlier and i totally agree with her like Kind of the very final moment of the movie where um, Pattinson's character reveals that, like, you know, I'm I'm basically traveling backwards through this story, and we've known each other a long time, and and we've gone on many missions together, and blah blah blah. It's like literally oh. on a, last time I'm driving. Right, right. <laughs> it's like, oh, that actually sounds like the movie I wish I was watching. Yep. Like that sounds like yeah. the, that's the movie that this uh -huh. was for the first 20 minutes. That was very entertaining. And the movie I kind of wish I was watching, and it seems like they kind of hedge their bets on everybody liking this movie enough that they will get to turn this into its own, mm. like, James Bond-like franchise about, like, time-traveling espionage-like spies, you know? Well, and that's a cool concept, like, two yeah. people See? bumping against each other in as they're going yes. in, like, different, like, yes. directions yeah, and, in time. Like, Doctor Who does that. For like an entire season or two, oh, and it's yeah. really fun with like yeah. River Song. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, lost and so like, did it for a while. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That would have been like super interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't disagree. It's funny the uh, the River Song thing from Doctor Who was like literally the first thing I thought of I at know. the end of the movie when that conversation <laughs> happens. It's like, oh, I'm glad I have this other media to help me understand what the hell I just watched. <laughs> but, um, you know, I I don't disagree with it at all, and I think what I love about the Christopher Nolan movies I love, especially Interstellar and uh, Inception, is that they approach you as like super heady, super intellectual, brainy movies, and then beneath that, there's a ton of emotion, and like both of those movies like really get to me by the end, mm -hmm. um, and we've lived with those characters in a way that like, you know, I can explain through story choices why Tenet doesn't have that because they keep saying that like ignorance is our ammunition and so like they need to keep themselves as anonymous as possible so that they're not like wiped out when they're children or something but that may also not really happen because of the grandfather paradox anyway <laughs> um but I, I I definitely think it's a deliberate choice because we've seen Nolan do it successfully mm -hmm. other times yeah. it's a choice that I don't think works ultimately and to me that's the big 
the big thing lacking. And I was really curious to see this a second time. And I'm glad I did because like, it's still very fun. And I definitely actually enjoyed it more. Cause I was like, okay, now that I know the shape of this thing, I'm not trying to like untangle it from like mm-hmm. the full thing. Like I'm, I'm a little bit closer to it, but it still doesn't have that sort of, you know, charm and charisma of like, Oh, I want to spend time with these characters. It's still mm-hmm. like, Oh, I want to ride that roller coaster again. Mm-hmm. And it's super fun doing that, but it's not the same, like, you know, my favorite movies are all character movies about people I yeah. enjoy spending two hours with. Yeah. I mean, like, I think I, the, 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 sorry, the, the, to me, the clear difference between something like inception and, and something like this is that inception feels like a movie where the big cool ideas come out of the story that he's trying to tell. He has this idea about what this, how this mechanic would actually like affect a man's emotions and psyche and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? And that's the story he's trying to tell. And so all of the weird mechanics of that movie actually fall out of that story that he's trying to tell. This movie feels to me like it is built around the visual idea and mm-hmm. it is exclusively set up and built around that idea. Like he realized he could have things be both forward and backwards on the screen at the same time, and then designed an entire plot and story just around yeah. that visual. And that he built the work. yeah he built the the concept first. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's like uh, you can. I was feel- watching a. I was watching an old Bond movie, and I was just thinking about Spectre. I was like, they definitely came up with the name Spectre first and then filled in what they meant. Right. And that's essentially <laughs> what he's doing, is he came up with the concept of Tenet and then is now building around it. And I think it's like, as as a mechanism, I think that's what I love about it, is that it is so intricate, and even the characters become pieces. Like, mm-hmm. you know, whereas in, the concept of Inception almost became a character in that movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This goes the other way. The people just become plot mechanisms you know, plot mechanisms. And I think it could have been helped by more, like almost more exposition Mm. in that, whereas Inception was like, welcome to the world of Inception. I'm going to teach you how this works. (laughs) Tenet was just like, listen, we got to get moving on this whole time heist. So (laughs) this is the thing. Don't think about it. Let's go. And, you know, that's, that's fun for streamlining a plot, which is what this is, but there's no character then for me to latch onto as someone who's learning this. Yeah. It's just, oh, he's starting off a pro, grab the cheese grater and, and fuck that guy up. Yeah. That yeah. was and amazing. Best scene <laughs> in the movie. That, 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 that fight scene was so good. It had nothing to do with the time shit. I know. I wish there was more actual action like that. There, uh. It's like, it immediately leaves that like grounded action, like after that scene. It should be, this is like, it's a shame that this is coming out during COVID times because this, I think, would be the ultimate 4DX movie. Yeah. Because um, yeah. it just really would suit that. And those fight scenes where they're just beating the hell out of one another, those chairs literally punch you in, like, <laughs> body coordinate areas. Like, in Solo, he gets punched in the back. It's the one movie I saw in 4K. And it, like, punches you right in the same spot of your back. It's very weird. <laughs> but the whole time I was watching the, uh, you know, the... Uh, John David Washington versus masked anonymous guy yeah. beat the hell out of each other. I was like, this is what four DX could be used for mm-hmm. because the problem with four DX is that it makes you not want to pay attention to the plot. Yeah. And so it's perfect for this because it would probably just help you be like fucking go. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and it could help with the uh, when he's going backwards in time, and it's like, oh, you're go- moving forward, but you'll feel the wind go the opposite direction, yes. or fire is gonna feel like yeah. cold. Like that would have been super cool. It's the perfect movie for yeah. 
but alas, it sprays things aerosol into the theater, which is just <laughs> the most don't do during COVID thing I can think of. Um, and, and I think what's interesting about it is the, like, this feels, because it's two and a half hours long, and it feels like it should be longer, which is frustrating, because mm. that means it should have been two movies, because they literally cut out all the scenes. And this is, this is again, coming back around to, like, where his choice around audible dialogue comes back to bite his own movie because it's playing into its weaknesses in a way, because there's a scene where like um, John David Washington and Robert Pattinson are like on a like streetcar and he's like, all right, we need four trucks. One of them has to be a fire truck. And my brain immediately is like, Oh, I can't wait to see them steal a fire truck. And then <laughs> boom, the next scene, they already have everything yep. set up because yep. this movie doesn't have time to do that stuff with <laughs> those things for it not to have right um, <laughs> uh, and like those scenes of like oh we're executing the pre part of the mission yeah. so that we can do the mission is where so much character lives in other heist movies mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. and it's just excised here because there's so much other stuff they have to do so assembling the team would have been really helpful in this movie because all of a sudden characters appear and I'm like who the fuck are you yeah right Wait, <laughs> is Aaron Taylor Johnson in this movie is that yes. who that he guy is, is? he just yeah. all the shows up and is like as soon as he shows up I was like I know I recognize I, yep. like, I didn't quite but I knew I recognized him so I was like okay that's a movie star and he's just we're two hours deep and he's just all of a sudden in this movie and it's very clear this movie is like this guy's a fucking character he's got a name you need to know him he's gonna give you lots of information and I was like whoa holy shit what's happening <laughs> He's like, hey, Aaron Taylor Johnson, nice to meet you. Gotta yeah. get you back up to speed. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't know that was him until after the second time I saw it because my wife Jill was like, yeah, I didn't know that Aaron Taylor Johnson was... And I was like, wait, he is in this movie? Yeah. <laughs> like, I've seen it twice and I still... Because he just looks different. He, yeah. Like, his voice is not his typical voice. He doesn't Weird. sound like Quicksilver or anything, uh, unlike Kenneth Branagh, who sounds like Quicksilver. <laughs> um, I would not want to fight Aaron Taylor Johnson. That motherfucker looks... <laughs> tough as hell i feel like if he was mad at me even if he was wrong i'd be like you go ahead and be justified in being mad at me sir because you would rip my fucking head off that dude i don't know what it is i think he's a good actor he's the uh he he's scares the, the hell out of me he's the mirror universe version of um uh what's his name jim from the office yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's also he's like he's got that kind of good looks that are actually scary where yeah, like you he's look like a at him hunk, but he might like your mom yeah, he's he looks very threatening. Like he did, like he he was a weird choice for Kickass because he's just got like a very threatening like aura about him. Mm -hmm. I think, and I wish more people would tap into that. He looks good with a beard, though. He does. Yeah, he uh, should keep Krasinski. it. That's it. Yeah, Krasinski, Yes. <laughs> I just came up with an idea of two adjacent shirts, Garrett, of our never-ending shirt project, of which only Jerry Butts has been made. Yeah, but much in the same spirit of a shirt with Mads Mikkelsen that is labeled Michael Madsen, uh -huh. I think we got to have some sort of a mix-up between Aaron Taylor Johnson and Anya Taylor Joy. Okay, there yeah, is sure. something fun to be done with that into a shirt. So they're going on the marker board. Do it. Um, all right, so I do. I really. I, I I feel like I pretty much covered like my general yeah. feelings about it overall. I'm also kind of bummed, like, because they introduce these characters at the end, mm -hmm. but like they also introduce characters at the beginning, where yes. I'm like, oh, Michael Caine is in this movie. Yeah. The guy that plays the teacher in Saved is in this movie. Uh -huh. I like uh, these Martin guys. Donovan. I know. Yeah. I want to see more of them, and then that's their only scene. And yes. I was like, oh, okay, I guess not. <laughs> well, I do. I want to get into specifics, like yeah, specific yeah, scenes and stuff, because yeah. like well, I, I just want to add to my opening thoughts, Please. though. Uh, 
this is a movie that of all those things that I had misgivings with, I want to make it very clear that I actually don't fucking care. I thought this movie <laughs> rocked. Like I really had so much fun with it. And I think that it's a mix of having not seen a movie in six months, <laughs> seeing a crazy, like seeing one of my favorite things, time travel in IMAX with crazy sound was just such a, a big and needed experience that like I have a warmth that I think is going to radiate into my mm. review of this movie. Yeah. It's difficult for me to hate because I just had so much goddamn fun. Which I genuinely totally get. Like this yeah. is not a movie Agreed. where I feel like, like, and I, I definitely sound like I'm being harsh on it. I think it's only because I like Nolan and his movies yeah. as much as I do mm-hmm. to have been disappointed by this. Like, I want to make sure, I guess I'm like uh, clearly stating why I, I am critical of it, but I did enjoy it. I think it's like pretty enjoyable. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I think I just, uh, there's, it seems like a movie that could have been a lot more than, than what I ultimately mm-hmm. got out of it or, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. That's where I am too. It's like, it's I definitely my favorite think- Nolan. Yeah, it, it, it sits right in the middle of yeah. his filmography, I think, when I rank them out. And like, but it's still, but that still means like, I'm going to get the 4K disc as soon as it comes out because yeah. I'm looking forward to watching it again. And it's just not going to sit up in like, you know, the pantheon of like, like it in a normal 2020 where there were movies, yes. it probably, like, there's a good chance it probably would, it probably wouldn't make like my top 10 for the end of the year. But it would be like, oh yeah, this is just like a fun, mo- fun action movie that I can enjoy that has some cool co- time travel shit. But because this is not a normal year, yeah. um, you know, it'll probably end up on there. But you know, I was gonna say, Ryan, I was surprised because I've already started ranking mine because I've seen so few. But like, I was surprised this didn't even make my top ten. I was like, oh yeah, wow, it's at like fifteen 10. right now, and yeah. I haven't seen that many movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, I a lot of not good. My friend yeah, saw it yesterday, and he said something. Yeah, uh, he's he went and saw. He was actually in an IMAX theater by himself, just because no one had bought a ticket. And uh, he came out of it and he said, "Oh, I really liked that a lot. I mean, as far as you know, last movies ever go, I think it's pretty good." <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, this reminded me. I, I guess I have one final sort of just like overall thought here, and then I really would like to dive into some specifics because I definitely have some questions about stuff. But um, I've got some motherfucking answers. I've been thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, baby. Uh, I I feel like so Tori and I were talking right after the movie where I was like, it might this might be one of those movies where like I really like Inception and I've seen Inception yeah. a bunch of times now. And now that I've seen it a bunch of times, Inception does feel like a movie where people exposit too much. It feels like people are constantly explaining the movie to me, like as I'm watching it in Inception, now that I've seen it a bunch of times mm-hmm. and I do understand the mechanics and I'm like fully in it. Now it feels like a movie where people talk too much and exposit too much, right? And I don't consider that a problem with the movie because I remember enough the initial experience with it, all of that, right? But now, uh, so I was saying to Tori, like, we watched this movie, and I definitely felt lost at a certain point in this movie. And I was like, I wonder if eventually I'll get to the point where it's the opposite, Mm -hmm. where I've seen this movie enough times that now I do fully grasp it, I totally understand it, and I wish people would shut the fuck up and stop explaining the concept (laughs) to me. Because right now I feel like, they don't explain it enough, really. You know, there's like something about it where I get lost in translation somewhere. But I feel like, because for instance, I am, and I know not everybody feels this way, I love The Prestige. And I've yeah. always liked The Prestige. That's hands down my favorite Nolan movie. Agreed. Yeah, me too. I love The Prestige. And yeah. I have always liked it, but it has grown in my estimation with rewatches. That is a movie that makes more and more sense to me every time I watch it. Um, there, it has I think a Nolan similar... typically does that for me. 
Yeah. I think Dunkirk is the only Nolan that I came out of where I was like, this was exceptional. All those yeah. other movies I came out and I was like, that was really good. And then upon rewatching, like really grew to either appreciate or just kind of eh, whatever about. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I, mean, I, th- I think he's he's like a Ryan Johnson where I, I think repeat viewings really help. Yeah. I, I But I do think that like, um, you know, something like. Yeah, I don't know. I lost my train of thought. But yeah, well, that, I'm sorry. Let me, let me jump right. back in there. Um, when I watched Inception, I've probably seen Inception like. 15 or 20 times at this point in the last like 10 years, because uh, it's a, it's a fun movie to throw on at pretty much any time at this point. But I think the difference is that when I watch it now, I don't even have the like, Oh my God, I can't believe they're like explaining all the stuff that I already know because I've seen this movie so many times. I'm actually in awe of how well they're integrating that into the story where I watch it. And I'm like, Oh, I kind of don't care that they're, that they're telling me because the integration of like how they're showing me and telling me at the same time, I think is done really elegantly in that movie for a movie that has that much, like it, literally an hour and a half of exposition. Yeah. Um, it actually, I think is done really well. And so when I watch it, I just appreciate it. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't think I'll ever get to that point with Tenet, even though I feel like I have a really good handle on what I'm seeing, how everything is working, why things are happening. I still don't think I'm going to get to the point where I'm like, oh, I'm just enjoying watching this because it's so well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, okay. I definitely have like very specific questions about like certain scenes in this movie that I would like to ask. And I'm curious if you guys feel like you have answers on. I'll answer okay. anything. Yeah. I can do my. <laughs> I may not be right, I but I just want to say he makes that guy punch a cheese grater, yes. which is the most horrifying thing I can think of. If you're th- <laughs> throwing like a kill punch and then a cheese grater hits it, you're going to make like skin that melts easily over nachos it's like (laughs) real gnarly and he gets him twice fucks him up with it and then does that amazing thing where he like walks and smashes his head into the wall but doesn't look as he's doing it it's like an afterthought of like i'm just gonna give this guy a crushing permanent brain injury and then (laughs) go about my denzel washington business now i need to watch him as a movie star like action star you know like i want a whole movie he's beating the shit out of people because he was so good at it so good at it he's like this little coiled spring of energy but like (laughs) the same way that that uh wyatt russell like has just bought us another 30 years of like cool kurt russell movies yeah i feel like we just have like a not to not to you know uh minimize the individuality of these actors but we just got like another 35 years of denzel baby and this one is he's badass he smolders island inductee this dude's a hunk oh yeah and man oh yeah i just yeah he he Blew me away in this movie. I thought oh, yeah. he was so good. Uh-huh. He, he, is. he edged I, Pattinson out of the way. I know. That, that yeah. was previously thought I impossible. I know. And Pattinson's very good in this movie. I thought I he know. was like, yeah. again, another, both of them are really creating a lot of dimension to these sort of like dimensionless characters, which and is Dibiki great. And too. Yes. Oh, I, she's I, gorgeous. I, she's, she's amazing. She's like, oh my God. I can't even, I get mad when I look at her because I'm like, how can people be that pretty? And she towers over every single yes. person in the movie. Yep. It's amazing. And <laughs> I like that this movie doesn't try to mitigate that. Agreed. Yeah. That's something that's like typically mitigated mm-hmm. in ways where they try and beef up a dude or like shrink it. And this one is just, no, John David Washington's a tiny little dude. <laughs> and she is a super tall lady. And it's just, that's what they are. It's cool. Yep. And now watch them punch things through time. And she's hot because she's tall. You know what I mean? It's yes. not like she's hot and she's tall. They're like, no, that's part of it. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's all about it. If she could dunk on me literally, I'd be like, 
Yes. Yes, this she is the best, best day has like Greek goddess DNA in her somewhere. Yes. Like she's insanely beautiful. She, she's a gods of Egypt. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, she definitely she... arrived to set on a chariot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or, or a giant snake. Yes. <laughs> Duding on a horn. They were like, Mr. Becky, are you ready to, to do the shot? And she's like, oh, no, 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 don't call action. Then they get to call the show. Uh, and I'll never get over Jerry Butts doing that in the middle of God of War or Gods of Egypt. Gods of Egypt yeah. Into an eagle man. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, all right. So I, I, I mean, I have like a lot of weird detail questions, but for some reason, this is the one that has been like bothering me the most. And I don't really know why. Okay. So pretty early in the movie is the scene where John David Washington's character uh, meets that woman who explains the concept of the inverted bullets. Mm-hmm. And she's like, hey, you can fire these. Like, it's just a matter of feeling. Like, you'll get used to it. Mm-hmm. Like, if you think about having already picked up the bullet, you'll then, you know, drop the bullet or whatever. Like, and and I, I understood that concept. And what I understood her explanation of that concept to be was that certain material was being, like, sent back from the future and because of that, that material was sort of able to almost be controlled by anyone that was willing to do that thought experiment with it, that was willing to be like, I will think about myself having dropped this already, and then I will pick it up, like inverted style or whatever. That concept never comes back into the movie after that scene, right? That's just fully abandoned? No, that's... that. Yes and no. That's kind of the whole movie because the pieces of that machine are also being sent backward. We're also sent backward in time and hidden. And like the reason that that, the reason that you can fire that gun and catch the bullet, um, which is what's happening when you have an inverted bullet is that you're pointing it at the thing that was shot and then you're pulling the trigger and the gun is like, like the bullets going back into the gun. Right. That's the same reason why Elizabeth Debicki heals from her gunshot is because her molecules are traveling in reverse in regard to entropy. Yeah. So the thing, so so the things that are damaging it when you're traveling backwards mm-hmm. are undamaging it. And yes. that's the only reason that she's able to heal from a fatal gunshot. So like yes. the concept comes back. But 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 hear me out. The concept that I'm concerned with is not that. The concept okay. I am concerned with is I understood the explanation at that moment in the movie to not be that. <laughs> you were already traveling the other direction and you fired the gun. So now this direction, you unfire the gun, which is what I think the movie later gets me to understand is these people are traveling forwards and backward, like inverting themselves through time. And so when we see the inversions, it's because it already happened the other direction. Well, so I think it works differently for people and objects because as an inverted person, so like when John David Washington gets inverted and he walks out and like the wind's going and he gets in the car yeah. The car isn't inverted, which is why he struggles with driving it because right. he's an inverted person acting upon a regular, a forward moving vehicle. Right. But, so I so, think there's a lot of people inverted later in the movie and a lot of objects inverted earlier in the movie. And I think they just work differently in a way that I don't a hundred percent know how to put into words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause I was there's a reason confused. why the scientist lady says, don't concern yourself with this. Yeah. Uh, Cause I, and that's one of the movie's cues and it is a cheap one of just saying, don't pay 
all that functions as to me is it explains why when, and since we're in spoiler territory, since future and past John David Washington are fist fighting one another, and every once in a while one of them gets a really kind of inhuman physics off, we're supposed to understand that what they're doing is mucking about with their future intentions with this fight. You know what I'm saying? It's I, meant to be a cool visual thing of sucking bullets and doing weird acrobatics. But, you know, it's the same as like when the guy's van is crashing is in, in Inception. It causes the dream to rotate and Joseph Gordon-Levitt's running down the hall. You know, I think it's just meant to be a strange, loosely scientific way to explain a cool visual trick. But, okay, I, I, I really, I need to nail this down because <laughs> the thing that she specifically says is that you could just, without ever having traveled through time, walk into that room, imagine yourself having used that material, and because the material itself has traveled through time, you can affect it. Yes. Am I right. accurate that that's what she explains? Yes. Yeah. That remember then, Bill and Ted when they need the keys? So they remember to later put the keys there in the past, and then the keys just appear. Yeah. It's that. So no, it's but that's not, it's not, that, that's not what I just no. said. That is entirely different from that what is I just said. Extremely different. Yeah. What it is that that bullet, that object in those drawers, are still traveling backwards in time. Yes. So anybody, you're right. Anybody could walk in. You wouldn't think to do it because right. you you know I don't believe in time right. inverted right. objects. So but like, if I'm wrong. There is literally never an instance in the rest of the movie where that happens. Everything else that is inverted through the rest of the movie is because people are inverting and using those things. People in the present are inverting and using yeah. those things yeah. versus people from so, the Because those things are remnants of things from the future yes. that have discovered okay. in the present. This sort of helps me, but it is... Think about the whole crazy concept of this movie and trying to explain it to an audience so that an audience understands what's happening and have the very first scene be an explanation of something that then never occurs again in the movie and doesn't actually help explain no, any of the mechanics of what we're happening it, after it. It does occur again, but in, like, for example, in the fist fight, they yeah. are able to sort of manipulate each other's armor and moves. It's in the choreography, and I think that that's, that's how they explain some of that. It's not just that they're moving, you know, like, they can enact their intention. That's why I tied it half-jokingly to Bill and Ted, is that you can alter through intention. But that is a different understanding than I have of that fight. My understanding yeah, too, of yeah. that fight is that he's traveling forward in one direction and he's traveling backwards in the other direction. So he is. Watch, yes, so when we watch it the first time, any of the weird inverted stuff you see is because the person he's fighting is inverted. And yes, when you but also again, at the same time, when the inverted guy drops his gun, he can call the gun using the force to his hand. And they do that a couple times in the fight. Interesting. That's what I'm talking about. They I manipulate am, each other's stuff because am, they are inverted from the other one's stuff. Interesting. So See, it's I the didn't, same as that inverted bullet. That's that's the angle that I'm coming at. Because when he drops the gun, they both do the like, and it, you know, I guess, that kind of thing. I guess I understand that now that you're explaining it that way. But in the context of the movie, what I understood was when I see it the first time, it looks like that's what's happening, that he's pulling the gun to himself. But when I see it the second time, the other guy is actually dropping his weapon and it's going that direction. And that's how it ends up in the other guy's hand. It's so, that too. Yeah. But it, there are points where they enact their will to make it draw towards them. 
And that happens with a few objects during the fight, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong. So I yeah. think in the realm of like being able to control some objects, really the whole scene of her explaining, like, this is inverted and you're enacting your... is just a way of saying you kind of have the force when we start messing with timey-wimey shit. Are Jedi's reversed then? That's the question yes. that we really need to talk about. <laughs> but so 100% I have, yes. I have another question that this brings up, and it was a question I had anyway, but I think it gets to the heart of like why this is even so confusing in the first place. Can things be inverted? And well, things can be inverted. Is that different than time traveling? And do both things happen in this movie? So, so okay. I would say my understanding of this movie, based on the two times that I've watched it, is that all this does. This is not a time travel movie in the time crimes Back to the Future Bill and Ted sense. No one is changing the speed at which they move through time or no one jumps in jumps from one point in time to another. It's just the direction of travel that changes. So when you go through those turnstiles, you go walk into one and, and you're going forward in time and you come out the other one and you're going backward in time, but you're going backward in time at the same, like minute by minute, the same way that we're, that we're normally going forward in time. So it's not a time travel moving the sense, but if you spend a week going backward, you're suddenly a week, further in the past yeah. than, when you, than when you went through the turnstile. So you yeah. can travel, quote unquote, through time and like Kenneth Brown at the end, be in two play, two versions of you can be at the same point on the timeline, mm -hmm. but only moving again at, at the constant speed of time itself. Okay, because I yeah. did find that confused. I thought that was the concept, but I found that confusing because at some point, I feel like John David Washington goes through those doors and then it does literally cut to like 10 days later or something. It like jumps through time. But I think that's because Nolan is cutting through time the way he likes to cut through time. Yeah. But he does it immediately after he like goes through the doors at one point and it confused me as to whether people were actually time traveling in addition to inverting. And I then no longer understood whether... They were the oh, same yeah. thing or different things. Right. Yeah. Because if you're inverted in that... ten days later is actually ten days ten day. earlier from right, the point yes. where you inverted. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like when they so he goes through the turnstile the first time that he sees the other side of that car chase. Yeah. And he comes back and then they all get in a shipping container. Yeah. And that container has been inverted and it gets put on a boat that has just arrived from Norway, but they're traveling backward. Right. to Norway from where the boat has originated so they can get back to the plane crash. Okay, I was confused by this concept as well. because I love it so much. I really liked the concept of inverting the, um, the shipping container. Mm -hmm. But am I wrong that then later in the movie, they just start walking into random rooms and buildings they're in, and those rooms are sealed off, and somehow I'm supposed to believe that just that office room has been inverted? Yes, somehow. That is confusing and stupid. Oh, no, wait, no, no, I was, like, wait, wait, really wait, wait. mad at a certain point. It, when that it's like happening. the air in that room has been inverted so they can like breathe normally because like it, it's surrounded by like a tarp. So somehow, yes. like yeah, this is where I think the movie uh, is just like don't think about it too much because yeah. like to, we'd have to have four other scenes explaining it. Yeah, and then um, the like where he says goodbye to Debicki where yeah. um. And she's in like one of those rooms. Like he's been inverted because they have they've built turnstiles for this whole yeah. team to be able to go through. And so she's in like a holding area. Mm. I it I think it I agree that I think it plays a little fast and loose by the time you get to that third act in terms yeah. of being like, well, the logistics of how we actually did it 
aren't that interesting, but I'm, you know, I'm sure Nolan has some sort of like appendix to the screenplay that explains yeah. how they build a rune that's inverted or whatever. Yeah, I, I found well, I it think very too, it's like, frustrating as an audience. It's just one of those things that hints to that larger tale that the movie's not telling. Yeah. You know, like, granted, this is a Magic Island explanation, but it's like, we can just, we just will have to assume that whatever this grand plan that future John, future protagonist has put together and is apparently the architect of, included knowing where people would be and when and knowing which rooms needed to be inverted and how. You know, it's it's loose, like you said, it's fast and loose, but I think that's like that's as that's as complete of an explanation as I think you're apt to get from the text. Yeah. I, I just uh this is like a thing I keep referring to as like the Westworld problem. I feel like a lot of that stuff doesn't need to be as confusing as it is, and that's what gets frustrating about it. Is it's like once you start unpacking it and really explain like when I finally realized what the finale was about, that it was just about that one fucking dumb object, I was so mad because, like, I get it that tons of action movies do this, that there's just a, a you know, we call it, what are they, the MacGuffin, right? There's MacGuffins yep. and people are after MacGuffins or whatever. But because the movie was intentionally confusing enough that I didn't even understand that that was the goal of that mission... For that to then be the reveal that it was just the MacGuffin they've been after for this last half hour, and I didn't understand that, made me really, like, even more frustrated that I didn't understand and, what was happening. And they do... That, you, I just find that you weird, because I totally miss, knew that was what was happening. Yeah, you probably just missed it, because that last conversation he has with Priya, who I think is actually one of my favorite characters in the movie. I think she's a super cool mm -hmm. character, and just a really interesting constructed character and that like her husband is a cover for hers being an arms dealer and like yeah. you know, she's the only character that feels like she has a life outside of this plot yeah mm -hmm. um and uh but in that last thing he's like oh so you actually wanted me to lose the the ninth piece so that he would bring the other eight together with the ninth and then we could get them all in one shot I, you know now that you're saying that i remember this conversation and i remember not being able to follow it like, yeah. I remember just like, wait, what, nine Pete? Like, I just remember it felt like all of the information that was being presented was brand new, and I did not follow it. Mm. And I Were didn't you inverted? No, but I didn't understand by the end of it that that's what the goal of that action was, like, at all. Right. And I and sort of thought that it was building to, like, some plot reveal that would, like, unlock the few pieces that I still, you know, because at I that point you. I was doing a good job mm -hmm. of, like, don't worry about it. It's fine that you don't understand. Just keep going. Keep going down the rabbit hole. Keep enjoying it for what it is. And once it got to that point where I didn't know what the goal of that scene was, I was like, well, that must be it then. We must be driving towards the final key that yeah, unlocks so, the pieces I don't understand. And then it was just a fucking MacGuffin. So, and I was so mad that the movie had intentionally obfuscated so much information that I didn't know it didn't matter what I was it, watching. It is It is all there. And I, I, I really, and I'm not thinking... You, through no fault of your own, I think you just you just miss some key some pieces, and some of them just stand out that much more a second time. Which again, yeah. we can argue all day long as to whether like that's a good thing or a bad thing or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. you know, because um, I feel like I got about half of the, this stuff the first time through, and then the other half I was like, oh, why didn't I realize that before? That's it's mm. all kind of more obvious now that I yeah. have seen it again. That happens anytime so, you rewatch any yes. movie, though. Too. Right? Um, you know, it's just one of those things. But I was actually surprised by how much is in the text, I guess, mm -hmm. is what I'm saying, based on my experience the first time. So 
Michael Caine explains the idea of these like secret Soviet cities. Yeah. Um, where Kenneth Branagh's character comes from and whatever. And there was, and he's like, Oh, by the way, we detected this like weird explosion thing that, yep. that happened the same day that. as the opera house. That's when that final sequence is taking yes. place to make sure that that explosion covers the stealing, the restealing of the nine pieces of the entropy machine, um, of the bomb while Kenneth Branagh is off in Vietnam. So like, he already thinks that it's happened sort of because like, so like they've detected the explosion. They they're using that as like a cover being like, Oh, well he'll think that it already happened because like, we know that it happened kind of thing. Yeah. It gets, it gets, it gets, I, was gonna really say, weird, I actually don't even understand what you're saying now. Oh, uh, so like they're saying like, we need to, the reason that the way the plan unfolds, it does, and they have to blow that thing up to, to, cause originally they're going to try to bury it and blow up the cavern, but they have to have an explosion because they know that there's an explosion because that mm -hmm. explosion from Michael Caine's point of view happened a week in the past, which is where that whole last action scene is taking place. Mm -hmm. So like, it's the same day as the, as them getting that last, getting one of the pieces at the opera house at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, there's I, whole... I gotta say, I actually didn't understand the opera scene at all, so I don't think I knew that a piece was retrieved there either. And they kept referring back to the opera scene. I kept being like, "Can't wait for this movie to finally circle back around and explain to me what that was about." And it yeah, just... so he he grabs a piece from the coat check. Okay. Uh, so the the one guy in the box with the general, yep. and he like breaks in. He's like, "You have two minutes to decide if you want me to kill you or if yep. you want to come with me." Yep. And then like he's like where's the object or whatever and he's like yeah. coat check and so like he goes and gets it and all that kind of stuff so that whole mission is just to get one of these pieces and then the other one is what they keep calling plutonium 237 or whatever right. it is 241 241 yeah um so like tenet as an organization is using the code name for weapons grade plutonium to disguise the fact that it's really a piece of this bomb but they keep and it, that got really confusing for me and but he but John David Washington doesn't know that until he actually gets in there and opens it and he pulls out the, the, the case and he opens the case. He's like, what the hell is this thing? This is not like, I know what plutonium looks like mm -hmm. and this is not it. They're all. And then at the end, when you see it, it's all pieces of this machine. Mm -hmm. So like the opera was stealing, the opera house thing was stealing the eighth piece. And this was like the final piece. Okay. Yeah. So then once it's put all together again, they're like, well, it's easier for us to steal them when they're all in one spot versus like, if he knows that we're coming, then he can like disappear them again. And we'll, the whole thing starts all over, you know, like we have to get him close enough to his goal that he thinks he's going to succeed so that then we can strike at that, at that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's just, I, it's another one of those things where I'm like, I guess that all makes sense, but I don't know. I actually legitimately don't know why any of that matters. Like, I don't well, know what they have stopped or prevented. So, okay. By... So the, so, and I don't remember what scene they explained this in, but if that yeah. bomb goes off, it reverses, uh, it inverts the entire world and will right. kill everybody because we won't have any oxygen to breathe. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. And anyway, basically it'll, it'll kill us off. I got but that. It's supposedly stop climate change. <laughs> right. But with the whole mechanic of like people going back and forth and back and forth, and eventually we get to the end and find out, Oh, you've lived much longer beyond this and you have set all this up so we can go back and do all of this. I just don't understand. Like just in the sense of what I, I, this is maybe a stupid question, but like, 
how would they ever even have gotten to the future had that bomb gone off? They couldn't have, so they must know that this succeed. You know what I'm saying? Like, and the and the movie on that point is like, it's a paradox. Yeah, we don't know. You yeah, just yeah. There, on there's faith. one thing like, that yeah, when he goes back to the uh, the car chase, yeah, and he learns the lesson of it was kind of pointless to go back because kind of what happens happens. Yes, you know, yeah. like he. Yes. He realized that he was, he's not altering the, right. the chase. He's actually performing the chase as it was, just from the other yeah. direction. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, so the whole movie is sort of a case of that. Yeah. In that it's this never-ending, you know, they do this visual. I know. It's this never-ending series of, like, fixes. I mean, this is what I took away from it, is that once you open up time like that and start mucking about, in order to fix it, it's just like a whole bunch of little band-aids to get it whole again. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like it's like writing an outline and then filling in your story. It's almost as if this plan, loop after loop after loop, went from outline to just a whole bunch of little permutations that they're constantly trying to tweak. And so we're just clued into one of them, which I think, at least for me kind of serves to answer just about any ambiguity in it is we don't know yet. And then the question, I think, is just a matter of, is that fair? And, you know, a matter of taste on that. Yeah, I mean, I kind of understand what you're saying, you know but I mean? doesn't, doesn't that mean there's no stakes to the movie then? Because ultimately, yes. right? Like, it it's means, a movie well, here's the thing. entirely without stakes, no stakes because it means movie. the ending is inevitable, right? <laughs> like, it, well, it, it means the ending is inevitable if somebody stops. If John David Washington's character goes, fuck this, too convoluted, I'm sitting down. And just stays. But <laughs> then, yeah. The, but the then, fact then that we're watching it happen means he didn't. We already know that. The fact that they opened up time at all puts that as a potential, at least in my read, forever. Yeah. And they're just going to be constantly doing this tenant plan over and over again in more detail right. and in more little permutations to just stave off that eventuality. That much and I so, can... yes, there's no stakes, but no, everything's on the line. Yeah. Yeah, I kind yeah, of understood that by the end, but I, but I did. I felt like it was a little bit of like a. I was like, this but, is an interesting idea that doesn't actually mean anything. But but I do think the message. But I also think that dovetails with the theme of the movie, which is just because what you're doing feels like it's not having an impact, it may actually still have an impact. So it, yeah. it's the kind of thing of like, it's oh, like I tree feel of really, life. Yeah, I mean, it's like, oh, I feel really <laughs> helpless because you know the entire West Coast is on fire, and we're democracy. Our democracy is probably ending, and like, <laughs> but I should still do things. Like, I shouldn't just give up and be like, well, it's inevitable because who knows what'll be the thing that makes all of that actually like end up okay or not as bad what or whatever. The tide. Yeah, and so, you know, to me, that all sort of makes sense. I do think the movie could have used like that scene in the matrix reloaded with the architect where like yeah. Neo gets in a room and he's like, I'm the guy with all the answers and I'm going to give you a million things. And you're kind of just going to be pissed off that I even told you anything by the end of it. But you feel like you're going to know more things than when you walked into this room with all of my televisions. Yeah. It's almost <laughs> like, uh, the movie. Yeah. The movie, uh, is, is almost putting you into the compartmentalized nature of the organization itself. Like it's so key that the version of John David Washington, we watch under you know doesn't understand that he is the man behind this all and has mm -hmm. to act like a rookie and be like that is all key and so it's neat that the movie does try to compartmentalize us too of like you can only know so much but it also does suck in a way because it's like well i don't actually work for tenet i just want to watch the movie. yeah i hate that man <laughs> that is like the wrong lesson that i feel like everything i'm watching lately has taken from westworld where it just intentionally obfuscates like 
very simple details that I should know as a viewer to understand the stakes. And because they've obfuscated them just to make it a puzzle for a puzzle's sake, I don't understand the stakes. And it just makes yeah. it hollow. Well, I, I think what I like about this more than... Uh, I, I only saw the first season of Westworld and I was very frustrated by it for a number of reasons. But I think what I like about this, without trying to spoil that directly, but still draw a comparison, yeah. is... I like that we are with the version of John David Washington that is going through this for the first time, the yes. whole movie. And I like yes. that we are sort of on board his journey because I yeah. think that grounds it. And you don't have to do the thing of like, wait, is this the version of him from the past or is this yeah, the yeah. version of him yeah. from the future? Yeah. Like, which would have He's made smarty. it more confusing. But I, yeah. I do, again, while not saying that it makes the best movie, I do appreciate the choice of if you went through it like that, it would be really fucking confusing. And I yeah. know the counter argument to that is, well, it's a movie. You just need to show it to me and the audience member is the way it makes the most sense. Yeah. But again, sort of like the sound design, like I think there's, it, there's a little bit of experimentation in here that I sort of appreciate, but I think it's, it's really his ambition exceeding his grasp in a way that I don't think Nolan has ever failed on that level before. Yeah. 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 Oh man. Keep talking, because I, I had a thought that I want to bring up, but I but I uh, I lost it. Oh, the other thing that I really like about the um the like what does it all matter kind of thing is mm -hmm. that I really like that Elizabeth Debicki kills Kenneth Branagh before yes. she's supposed to. Yes. Because yeah. that is also like, no, like you you can still make decisions, you can still do these things, even though like it's kind of a bad idea. And she's like, oh, I just like we are okay, right? Like I, I just assumed you guys would have figured it out. <laughs> Yeah, she's like, like, we're good, yeah. right? <laughs> you know, but I like that she Once was... Once again, like the impossible mission force. Did we do it? Uh, how close yeah. were we? Uh, about the usual. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I like that her character, like her characters, her making that choice and being like, he's not going to die thinking that he actually yeah. won is more important to her than, or like more present to her than these really ambiguous stakes about this whole crazy time travel thing. And she's like, no, I just need to end this guy's life because he fucking sucks. <laughs> and yeah. like, I can't, like I, I need to win this game. And like, I think there's, I think that's just a really interesting thing. And I think there's a lot of stuff in the movie about this like generational warfare in terms of, like, yeah. we're constantly sacrificing the future for the present, and now the future is like, fuck you, yeah. like, you messed yeah. us all up, and... Um, That's such so, a cool concept. I like I, I like the Debicki stuff, too, because, like, she has that story when she's, like, envious of that woman she sees yeah. on the boat, yeah, exactly. and then, like, she is that woman, which is so cool, and... Also, like when she throws Kenneth Branagh off yeah. and he does that really weird flop off. The <laughs> it's really cool. Well, uh, yeah. she, she lotioned him up. Yeah, that yeah. might yeah. be, most, so that might be the better. dumbest, most convoluted writing in the movie like, that Ooh. she over lathers her husband in order to better throw him off the side of a boat. I, see, I thought that was That's brilliant. That's a smart move. I know. That's I was like, what you got to do. Yeah. But in the context of all this stuff being like inevitable and you have to move the pieces the right way and stuff, it's like, that's a piece that needed to be moved in the right way. You had to account for over lathering your husband. Yeah, man. It's very strange. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean they I... sent Casey Affleck and Scott Kahn down to Mexico to build loaded dice at a factory. Uh -huh. So, uh, Sometimes these little these little details matter, such uh, as lotioning his belly. But but again, like I I mentioned in my review, I was like, sunscreen is the metaphor for this movie because it's a simple thing that you can put on your skin to prevent yeah. something horrible happening in the future, and yet I sunburn myself once a year. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, like, that's true. I, I gotta say to your point about those themes, though, I've been th I've been thinking about this since the movie because I 
this feels like a great example of a filmmaker name checking a hot button thing without actually having a goddamn thing to say about it. Like the generational warfare aspect of it is so interesting in concept, especially when married to the actual time mechanics of Mm -hmm. the concept of this movie. And I don't think there's actually anything the movie says about it other than to say it. Mm. Well, I mean, Nolan's movies and I'm, borrowing this uh and so i'm I'm going to cite it from uh patrick willems did a video uh, a couple weeks ago a couple months ago that like actually said all of my thoughts about nolan out loud in a way that was more coherent than my own actual thoughts about nolan uh on a couple different things but basically like nolan's movies are more or less all about his personal fears and so i think this movie is about the fear of the future and like yeah. his kids growing up into this world. I don't think he yeah. has anything to say other than like this shit scares me. So like, yeah. I, I don't disagree with your point that I feel like there's a richer movie out there that does have something to say, but I think give in his filmography where like, you know, inception is about like the fact that he made Batman movies for six years in the prestige <laughs> and like, didn't see his kid. Like he missed part of his kid's childhood basically. Yeah. Cause he yeah. was, you know, flying around the world doing cool shit. Um, and Interstellar is kind of the same, <laughs> kind of about the yeah. same thing. Um, you know, and The Dark Knight Rises is ultimately about like, well, if I really gave up my job, I could just really enjoy a nice cup of coffee with my wife. Um, <laughs> While well, like, my butler looks on. With yeah, so it's like he doesn't have like a grander scheme yeah. or like right. thought to it. It's just like, I'm scared of these things. And yeah. So, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, I'm not taking away from your point, Garrett. I'm just yeah, saying yeah. Like, to me, like it actually yeah. does fit as a piece with the other movies that he's made. Like, I'm not surprised by it. Yeah. I just, I feel like in this case, he did just make a big dumb action movie. <laughs> and I wish that it knew that it, it would be a better movie if it knew it was a big dumb action movie, well, but it has no idea that it's a well, big it's, dumb action movie. It's kind of like, uh, and I didn't put this in my review because I was like, I already sound pretentious enough. I can't include this too. <laughs> yeah. But like the process for writing, I think it's the Radiohead album Kid A where like they wrote a bunch of lyrics and like, uh, like cut them out on scissors and like put them in a hat and like drew the pieces of paper out to like make the lyrics for the songs. Yep. And on the one hand, you're like, oh, it's genius because like it all works. But on and on the other hand, I'm like, well, the lyrics are all kind of like generic and like feel the same yeah, to me. Is it so like, is it really thing? right? It's it, like what what's the point here? Yeah. Like you proved that you could do it and it turned out great, but like okay, so what? <laughs> That's actually a great metaphor for how I do really think like this and some other thing. Like I think Lovecraft Country is plotted this way too. It's like they just intentionally have cut these stories up into puzzles just so that there is a puzzle to be solved, and it's like. Uh, that doesn't work. Like it either actually is a puzzle and that's the story you're telling or you have literally cut a story up so that I can't understand it. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you, if you reverse engineer a puzzle, that's a great way to build the the mechanism of it, but that doesn't necessarily make it fun to solve. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You have to think about that journey. Like when you think about like an escape room and all that, it's like, yeah, you can come up with a list of tasks that get you out of that room. But, like, how do you make this a compelling thing to go through? Yeah, and yeah. I think that for a lot of... I think that that, that is probably what makes Tenet so impenetrable for, for many viewers, is that it's kind of more interested in you marveling at the puzzle from afar after the fact mm-hmm. than necessarily experiencing it going through. And then it kind of glazes over that with bombast and effects and, you know, really, like really fun... Uh, 
visual devices that can be born of that yeah. plot device. But I think, and for, you know, then the measure is, is that enough? For me, the net result though is that moment to moment, it was fun to watch. But as soon as I start thinking about it afterwards, I just, I, I'm like so frustrated by it. It's it just like none of it really adds up for me in any meaningful way. It's moment to moment fun to watch. But as soon as I start trying to like pull any thread, I'm just like, ah, this doesn't make enough sense to me. I don't really get what this movie's doing. I'm so enamored with the idea of at the end of this giant complex movie, they go, actually, this is one small part of the plan. And there's a, and like that is such such a fun <laughs> concept for me yeah. so that when they introduce that as the closer, that kind of thing really speaks my language. Of them just being like, yeah, we did it, but uh, you don't, you don't even know, dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. I do and love I, that I idea. Really enjoy that, and I love the idea. It's like the moment in Time Crimes uh, when Hector finds out something different about where he is placed in the time thing. Yes. You know, our surrogate Hector. Yes. Uh, the whole movie of that moment, uh, and I don't know. I, I love the balls on that, and that's such a fun thing to think about for me. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. It is fun to think about, but I think time crimes works better because it then actually like explores that as opposed yeah. to just oh, ending yeah. the moment that happens. I do. Well, I mean, like, time crimes naturally has different yeah. goals than to Tenet, me. That's and like, it's like, I don't know if Tenet's goal is really to do anything well, except just no, kind of blow you through the back time of the crimes, theater. You know? yeah. Time crimes is a character piece. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, but, but even even then, I just I do think it's like you know uh, one of the uh, I don't know why I'm bringing this up as a comparison just because everybody always complains about this about this movie. People hate that Alita ends with like a nod to like there's going to be more of these. That is yeah, exactly yeah. what that ending is, and it is a problem. It is a problem that it's like that it, it is like this is actually just a small piece of this larger puzzle it's like oh i okay it's fine. i was no, hoping I don't to, need more alita I, I know but it's just like i wanted to, i want to watch the bigger puzzle the, the bigger puzzle is more interesting to me than this the thing is i think this was intended to not have a sequel and i would love this sequel because i want to see this more espionage layered yeah. uh yeah. level of this plot but at the same time the fact that it was not designed for a sequel necessarily like I don't think Nolan intended to make this a franchise. It's just a one-off idea. That, to me, is a fun and worthy use yeah. of the idea of, like, yeah, we stopped it, but you have no idea the degree <laughs> to which you helped to stop it. Yeah, I mean... That's, uh, you know, like, that's just fun for me. Yeah. Yeah, um, like... Uh, go ahead, Tori. I was just going to say, like, I feel like this movie has a lot of interesting concepts where I'm like, I would like to see these played out in a sequel or something else, like... The messages, like how basically everything we do now, like sending texts and emails and stuff is all messages to the future in mm -hmm. some way or the future, like sending things back to us mm -hmm. and burying things in areas people wouldn't even be able to find for thousands of years. And it's probably because I'm like a historian and like these ideas of like artifacts and stuff where I'm like, I want to explore this like weird history stuff a lot more mm -hmm. and like using sci-fi for that. So I'm like a little disappointed this movie didn't do more of that, but I hope like, I don't know, we find a way to like flush more of these ideas yeah. out because they're so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I definitely agree to her. There's, there's that would be of... cool. A super prequel. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, we're yeah, like, well, like a super prequel where, where we, where it shows the actual building of the, the turntable yeah, like, and things like that. Setting up that would be cool as hell. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's um, there's a ton of really cool ideas that are on screen for like a minute or two yeah, and then yeah. aren't really brought up again. But and I agree, like those could be their, their own whole movies. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I don't think I need to see the other half of this temporal pincer movement necessarily. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. the the sequel I would want is like, okay, so these guys take that device, they break it back into pieces, they hide them somewhere. I want to go back further, and now there's another team of people that has to like rehide them because the future is still coming backward in time. Right. And so yeah. then you get like Nolan making like a '70s New York movie right. or right. like you know a '50s oh, or '40s cool. movie. Like that's. That's what I would want if we ever if we ever get a sequel to that. But I feel like it is more um, it's more sequel uh, like a sequel fits this better than his other original stuff. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I don't. I, but again, I don't think this movie is necessarily setting up a sequel the same way that Alita does, even though I recognize that it feels that way. Yeah. Mm. I yeah. think it is just meant to be like, oh, you only saw this one piece of this thing rather yeah. than seeing the whole thing rather than yeah. like oh there it's not like necessarily there's oh there's a part two to the story of like now that we did this you got to know about this other thing it's still all in service of like this is the thing that they have to do ultimately yeah mm-hmm. I, I i think at the i think part of my frustration is just it was weird to at the end of this movie i knew from the moment it started just because the title is a palindrome and the the poster is literally the same actor facing forwards and backwards I, and I don't know if maybe I heard somebody say this somewhere, but I knew from the moment the movie started that this character was traveling forwards and backwards through the movie. And so when we got to the fight where he's fighting the masked men, I knew immediately that's who he was fighting, that he was fighting himself. So I was um, I, I was taken aback by getting to the end of this movie where I had zero problems with the supposedly confusing time mechanics of the movie to then still be confused by the plot of the movie. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. For the actual yeah, yeah. thing that should be confusing to be no problem totally makes sense, but then the plot still make no goddamn sense to me. I was like, I don't know. I just don't understand how that happened. I don't know how you managed to illustrate something so complicated to me, but miss just actually telling your damn story. You know? So I had a different experience because, like, like I said, the only deficiency for me was just that I didn't care about the characters as people. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know I, I, I just didn't find it hard to follow. But I mean, we definitely had a different theatrical experience. Yeah. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, it is just what it is. So oh, we definitely um, lost like whole scenes to airplanes. Yeah. So I think it's yeah. entirely yeah, possible yeah. I missed stuff like that. Yeah. I think there's more. But that said, I don't think that those problems don't exist. Yeah. Um. Because I mean, they're they're common problems that I've been reading across, you know, everybody's responses to it, and and like fair criticisms. I, I think it just comes to you know, comes down to the matter of the degree to which it's it's happening. Yeah, yeah. You know, been, and how much it pushes you out of the experience. I've been thinking a little bit since we've been talking about like the future of Christopher Nolan's career, and if like in some ways he would be better served to work on adapted material because he is really good at showing these really interesting visuals on screen. And so if like something already has like the story and like characters we care about and like he's really focusing on the visuals, I wonder if that would come out better. Mm-hmm. Like for some reason when I was yeah. watching this movie, I kept thinking of this uh, sci-fi novel I read called The City We Became. And the concept is that it's like two cities on top of each other in the same like time period, but like completely different people living in these two cities, like different classes. One is this richer city, one is this kind of like slum. And he would be really good at, I think, showing some of these concepts on screen just because he does love doing this technical stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, that's like the the visual concept of this movie yeah. is pretty cool mm-hmm. to look yeah. at. But I also, I and don't I think, think it yeah, carries he cleanly visually shows what Tenet is. Yes, he yeah. does. Yeah, he cleanly visually gets that concept across. I mean, same thing with Inception when he's folding yeah. Paris into a cube. Like, he yeah. cleanly gets the idea. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I would love to see him do some I more adapted surprised stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, how... Prestige was a book, right? Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. Batman is an adaptation to some degree. Uh, yeah. As much. But um, I was surprised how little I actually cared for the central, like, you know, visual element of this. The the way that looks is very cool for like the first 10 seconds every time. And then every time a scene went longer than that, I was just, I don't know. I, I just felt like it lost. It's like cool factor that things were happening, like inverted. It's like, when he you doesn't have pizzazz. Too long, you yeah. Know? Yeah. yeah. He's not a, he's not like a pizzazz filmmaker. Yeah. And so once the technique is, is shown, like he never really puts any stank on it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. you know, you're not getting the matrix where they try and put like some stank on it. And it's like, but at the same time, I think this is a movie where, to me, I thought the scenes all held together nicely. But I think that the action, uh, you know, the action money shot happened way early. Yeah, Whereas, I mean, like, the big closing set piece was fun, but I was like, ah, I don't know, that, that car chase yeah. and the fist fights were where it was at for me. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, truly, I think this movie's best, coolest idea is the highway heist where they cram all the cars yep. around a car yeah. and use a fire engine to break into that. That is its coolest idea. It definitely feels like a Nolan thing where it looks like he really put a bunch of cars on a highway and actually yeah. filmed a lot of that at high speed. And it's like a clinical plan. He yep. loves yeah. fucking clinician shit. That is this movie's <laughs> coolest idea, and it has absolutely nothing to do with any of its central premises. Well, Nothing's inverted throughout that scene that I remember. It's just mm-hmm. a heist on a highway. Yeah. Right, and it's just how do we do a heist without like uh, leaving a paper trail is like right. the biggest thing yeah. that they're trying to accomplish there. But that, and like he actually crashed a 747 into a building. Yeah. Um, and like that cool. whole Freeport thing is like, that's a whole movie. Yeah. Um, oh, that was fascinating. Yep. Yep. You know, but it, so I, I completely agree, Garrett, that like, um, and to your point too, Tori, like the stuff, the ideas in this movie are more interesting than the story around them probably. And so, yeah. yeah. But again, on a repeat viewing, it's like I had the other stuff lock into place where I was like, oh, I understand all that's yeah. happening. And yeah. now I can just enjoy the fun parts more. So I'm like, hoping that I yeah. will enjoy this on yeah, a repeat viewing. Like, I, I think I I can def- I feel like I can guarantee myself that the whole movie will make a lot more sense on a repeat viewing. And so that will help a lot of the issues that I have with it. Um, I uh, yeah, I just uh, it was a weirdly disappointing experience for for me, I think, because I like his movies so much generally. And then I didn't see a movie since March and mm-hmm. we finally decided to go do it. And it was like, boy, this is the movie that's going to save. Sin- this is what we had to release during a pandemic. This fucking movie people <laughs> needed to risk their lives for. Cause it's, it, it's gotta be low tier Nolan like overall. Yeah. I mean, for me too, I think the most disappointing thing about it is that it gets in its own way enough where like the conversations that I would love to have during this episode, we can't even get to because yeah. I want to talk about like, okay, if they're traveling forward in time and if you travel backwards in time, you're healing it. Does that mean you're also like Benjamin buttoning where like if you go right. further back in time, you will just cease to exist. Right. So like, yeah. can you go back beyond when you were born? Do you age if you're constantly like, like yep. is Robert Pattinson like a hundred years old and he's just been like going back <laughs> right, and forth, right. like living the same, like five years over and over again yeah. in right. different directions. Like oh, that's there's, interesting. there's all kinds of really cool stuff 
on the periphery of this movie yeah. that like would be really fun to talk about if you know a hundred million people had seen it and we were all like all right now that we've dissected it like week three of tenant discourse <laughs> yeah, yeah. like yes. um you know but i wish the movie were better at getting that stuff across in the first place yeah yeah i i think it like it the thing that I keep really coming back to is just that Westworld problem of like, it's just confusing enough that I think it loses enough audience members along the way that we're probably not going to get, if there was meant to be a series out of it, probably not going to get it. If there was meant to be a great sparking of like a lot of really good conversation, that's only really going to happen with super nerds that go to see it a second and third time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I I think by intentionally making it so, um, so puzzle boxy and confusing, uh, it might have cut itself its own legs off, you know? Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I do want to say just just to get it on the record, but I don't necessarily agree. I, I think it feels more puzzle boxy than it is, which is yes, not necessarily that's the, way to put it. the yeah. same thing. And Gary, your experience I think a lot of people approached different. it with a, I got to crack this. And it's yeah. like, it, it actually wasn't asking to be cracked. Yeah, but see, this is my, this is why I keep bringing up that I wasn't actually confused by the, like, th- if that were the case, I feel like what I would be confused by is like the mechanics of the like actual, like confusing plot element that is the central thesis of like the central premise of the movie. But it's not that it's just like storytelling on it. There was um, a letterbox guess- user, uh, Paul Hibbard wrote a review where he was like, and I thought this was a very just a good way to describe the feeling of watching this movie for me, which was he was like, this movie feels like the person telling me this story thinks they've just said a very deep, interesting thing to me. But I legitimately couldn't even understand the words. They, they were mumbling when they said it. I legitimately couldn't even just understand the basic words they were saying. Yeah. And I so mean, maybe it was deep what they said, but I didn't even grasp the general like, you know, right. the, the conversation itself. Right. Because it was like just, mumbled and hurried. Right. I think it's more that the story of the movie isn't as well told as it should be. Yeah. Therefore, it feels like a puzzle. Therefore, your brain tries to solve it when the yeah. movie was actually just doing a bad job explaining itself. Yeah. It's more of the problem. Whereas like the Westworld thing is like, I told that series to basically fuck off out of my life because I was like, oh, you're <laughs> deliberately withholding information yeah. to make it more confusing where I don't yeah. think this movie, I think this movie is actually trying to do the Nolan interstellar inception thing, which is piece out information when you need to know it because it becomes relevant and like yeah. build on information before. I just don't think it's doing a good job at doing that versus that like, oh, I'm holding that information back and I'm going to give it to yeah. you at the end. Your mind's going to explode because they were the same person the whole time or whatever the fuck. Yeah, like that, it's yeah. not it's not Saw where they where they lie to you on purpose. Yeah. Just to pull the rug out from under you. Uh, yeah, I would agree that this has that I that this uh has all of the information and is just like a little ham handed about dishing it out. But what's weird is the more I look back on it, the more I don't think that this is necessarily trying to be you know, deep or anything. I think it's just trying to be a complicated, efficient machine. And we can talk about whether that's successful or not. But I, I never got the feeling that this movie was acting uh, smart in a, uh, you know, like intellectual sense, yeah. but more smart in a look at this, look at all these gears we were able to turn, you know, at, at the same time. That's, that's more what I felt its goal was. Whereas I think like Interstellar, you know, does better character work, I think was trying to, you know, show off some cool space knowledge. Whereas this, I think, is just a fun time device that, as we said at the outset, happened first, and then they built <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, the story yeah, around that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, like the one, uh, Tori and I have talked about this a couple of times, I think the one visual thing that I really do like that actually does play into the central premise is the building being exploded and then re-exploded cool. from the yeah. other direction. Yeah, like it, yeah. gets, it gets exploded two times back to back going mm-hmm. in different directions. Very cool idea. Great visualization of what he was doing. This movie should have been a 30 minute Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> like, it, it just like it just feels like one of those things where by the end it's like it is cool that they're like, oh, this was actually a small piece of the puzzle. But that's a Twilight Zone episode. That's what that kind of storytelling is. Yeah. yeah. Yep. You know? Yep. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that take at all. Yeah. Yeah, I don't disagree. And it's it's then becomes just like, you know, like what what is more important? Do we want that cool time travel shit or do we want, you know, people in reverse trucks shooting guns and fighting? And it's like no one's trying to give us both. And maybe they're not yeah. even as compatible yeah. as as we would we would hope. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I would argue, like, what I love about time travel as a genre is that fundamentally they are about a very, like, a journey of a person through time. And, like, either they're telling us about society or, like, you know, Back to the Future, Bill and Ted are, like, telling us about those people because they're traveling sort of through their own timelines in a way. And, like, you know, this doesn't have that to it because it's not, yeah. it's also not really a time travel movie in right. that way, except yeah. for Elizabeth Debicki's character because when she sees that woman jump off the yacht, she's not that woman yet, but she also, she doesn't know that she's going to become that woman. And then she is. And like, that's why her story is the most compelling. Like that's, that's the part of it that hits me in an emotional place, but, but there's not enough of it like Mm -hmm. to carry the whole movie that way. Oh yeah. Yeah. The whole discussion of like, what's it like despair versus anger Mm -hmm. where he's like, Oh, I know you're not going to pull the trigger now because like, I can just see like your anger is turned to despair. And by the end of it, she's like, do you see this fucking scar you left on me? I'm going to shoot the fuck out of you. (laughs) Yeah. And like just lotion up that belly of yours because I wanted to protect it from the sun. Get ready, sir. Uh, Get ready. Them dragging his corpse behind that boat made me laugh out loud. It's just, it's just a really funny image. Cause it's like, why? Like, I guess, I understand I why they're doing it, but it's like, yeah. okay. Um, but I think I think Brana is also like a big flaw in this movie because he's yeah. so over the top. Yeah. Like he's a monster from get the get-go. Like there's nothing like the Bond thing, you know, because I think the Bond is a big influence on this movie. Like the conversation that they have at dinner, like I want him to like, you know, like I want him to take John, John David Washington to dinner before he threatens to cut his throat open and yeah. stuff his balls in there. Like, yeah, yeah. I, like, I, like I want yeah, you to wine like and dine fun, me. He's not like a fun, like Bond sleazebag villain. Yeah. He's like, and he doesn't have much to do. Him abuse his wife at the same time. So there's no way you can even like this guy right. and like a, Ooh, you're so bad. You know, yeah, like yeah, you yeah, just hate yeah. this guy. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's a dickhead. And what's weird is like, th- I thought this is actually the more, one of the more hammy elements of the movie is that like I like a, a well-motivated villain or I like a villain that is so cartoonish that we don't need to motivate them. Right. And he's like, not either of those things. All we know about him is that he says to Elizabeth Debicki, like, Oh, if, uh, if I can't have you, no one can. Yeah. And right. then much later, someone's like, well, he wants to kill everybody. Cause if he can't live, no one can. And then you go, yeah. Oh yeah, that's kind of like this thing. Right. The most interesting thing, I yeah. think, where like he starts to give these interesting concepts of like, oh, well, like 
this is how the future thinks of the past. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, wait a minute. You're bringing this in now. Like, tell yeah. me more. Like, I want you to stay on the phone for 20 minutes and explain all of this because yeah. this is fascinating. And I feel like as he whole... starts explaining, he's just cranking up the. <laughs> and I feel like Nolan was like, like saw the Incredibles and was like, okay, I have to write a movie where like the villain isn't just monologuing at the end to explain his evil plan because yeah. that's been called out as a trope. And I'm going to avoid that by having this character on a different part of the planet at the time this action scene is happening. But yeah, okay. Like, yeah, like, I actually, I, sure. I thought that that was one of the additionally like confusing story elements, but only in as much as because I was so confused by the time I got to the finale for it to then do that movie thing of cutting back and forth between the action and then Brenna on the boat. Every time it cut between them, I was like, please fucking stop doing this. I just want to understand one of these two stories. And Mm -hmm. I am no longer following the thread of either of them. Every time we cut back and forth, I lose it more and more. I just like, I, I was so lost by that point in the movie. Just again, at the general, just like the actual stakes of what any of this meant to any of these characters, you know? I think if he traded, uh, you know, like decorative complications, which is essentially what this is, is yeah. at the end you find this crazy decorative complicated thing is even more decorative. If they traded that for, to use a term I used earlier, a more clinical, you know, heist or, or uh, you know, time travel thing, I think that that probably would be a more watchable movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But then at the same time, I thought that this movie very early on tipped its hat as to what type of movie it was going to be. So it made it easier for me to kind of jive with that. But um, yeah, I, I want that more clinical time heist movie um, that isn't Avengers Endgame. Yeah. 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 Cause you know, like even the idea, like when they first reveal, so, you know, they go through the turnstile the first time and it's like, Oh, okay. Interesting. And I didn't realize that we were then going to go through like a million more turns that we were going to keep like forward, backward, forward, back, you know, and so when it started to do that, I was like, wow, what a cool idea that this movie never really talks about or addresses beyond it just happening. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, yeah. I would love a movie that really gets into, well, if you can go through that turnstile and then come back through that turnstile and then go back through that turnstile, like, how does that change what you can do with your plan? The movie only mm-hmm. really gets to that in those very final moments of revealing mm-hmm. that, like, I've actually been traveling backwards for a long time. You're on your way forwards for, you know, it only really gets into the implications of going through those turnstiles over and over in like the final minutes of the movie. And and so again, it's just going back to what we were saying before, where it's like every idea that's on the periphery of this movie, I think is far more interesting than what the movie itself is about. It was also a Pop-Tart for five minutes. For five five minutes, (laughs) yes. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, I almost wish that there was a, like... I'll be right back, guys. Keep that there going. were, um, like, two movies, one that followed Washington's character and one that followed Pattinson's character. Right, yeah. And they had seen... Like, I do feel like there are better ways to do... To tell the same story. Yeah. Um, I do find some of the specific choices really interesting and really fun to talk about. But, no, I mean, like I said, for me, this is, like, mid-tier Nolan. Yeah. It's the least... My least favorite of his uh, IMAX era that Patrick Williams <laughs> label, which totally cracked it because the thing that drives yeah. me crazy about like when I re- I rewatched the Prestige recently because it's the one Nolan movie I hadn't seen in the last like ten years. Yeah, and I was like, okay, like I, I understand the story better and I like it, but I don't like the way that it's being told because he 
rarely has two characters in the same frame in that movie. And he cuts a lot between like clearly just between takes to get like you're cutting back and forth between two people. So you can pick the exact right line reading or whatever it is. And it just drives me. It's exhausting. And it just like that movie makes me want to tune it out after a while. And then when he switched to IMAX, because you can't really do that in IMAX. And you also have the real estate where you don't need to. Yeah. His movies open up in a way that feel like expansive. And I feel feel like this was a, a retreat back to his previous tendencies. That's a very interesting point. And I, you know, uh, this is so a good reason to bring up the prestige again is just that that Prestige. movie actually does have a very, very complicated mm-hmm. central premise to the way it tells its story. Uh, you know, because it's these two journals that are being traded back and forth. And then it turns out some of them aren't even real. And yep. so there's like these multiple layers of storytelling going on there that I think could be very confusing. But that movie is very successful at me getting to the end like I actually did not remember when I rewatched that a couple of years ago, that that was even the premise of the movie at all, mm-hmm. because I think the movie so successfully tells its story that even if you don't grasp at every moment, what journal is being read by who, whether that information is from a real journal or a fake journal meant to fake the other one out, what actually needs to be understood about the characters moment to moment is. And so that movie works mm. and then yeah, gets it brings better. that home too. Yeah. And then gets better as you rewatch it more because you start putting those, that puzzle together more and more. Every rewatch makes it clearer and clearer which right. parts of this are being read by who. So I am interested in seeing this movie some more times to see if that also happens with this movie, but it is disappointing to get to the end of this movie and not feel like I even got that first experience out of it. You well, know what I mean? There were interesting viewing experiences too. Cause like the first time I saw the prestige, when that movie ended, I was like, shit, I want to watch this movie again because I loved it so much Yeah. where this one, I watched it. And at the end I was like, fuck, I need to watch this movie again because half of it I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. And like, that's the only way I'm going to get yeah. all the information I need. Yeah. I mean, you leaned over me like halfway through this and you were like, are you following all yeah. of this? And at the time I said yes, because my yes was actually like, yeah, I'm following enough of it that as long as I don't ask myself any questions about anything, I'm okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I get that. Um, You know, I think, I think the different, I think again, like the prestige is a puzzle box movie that doesn't present itself as one. And so you get to the end, you're like, Oh, this was a puzzle. Right. There's so much more to figure out. And this is a movie that is not a puzzle box, but feels like one. And so you get to the end, you're like, Wait, this wasn't a puzzle. Yeah. Like this I was, know. you know, a I was yeah, so it's, mad. It's when remarkably it was just the at the end. I was like, yeah. "You gotta be kidding! I did know what was happening. It's just this <laughs> stupid fucking object. God yeah, damn yeah, it!" Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess it is in a way. If we if we want to say like, you know, people go, "Oh, this is this," uh, you know, "this is this director's this genre movie." Right. You know, like granted, yes, the Batman movies are like action movies, or you know, you can say. I feel like Tenet is like, oh, if Christopher Nolan made a you know made like a terminator film yeah, it yeah. would look like this you know if, yeah. he, if he made like just an action opus it would look like this it is where it's like yeah if interstellar's his space movie and if insomnia's his crime procedural you know this is his action movie as as post cameron action movie i really yeah, yeah. did think the yeah. same thing dan which is a weird thing to say about him because he's exclusively a blockbuster filmmaker yeah. But I got to the end of this movie and I was like, oh, he made his blockbuster. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. He made movie. his action movie. Yeah. 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 And I think and I think that helps 
Um, now, I haven't seen it a second time, but I think that was something that occurred to me early enough on that it was like, oh, okay, like, yeah. I'm just here to get kind of slapped in the face by this movie and have some fun. And, yeah, you know, it, it was much easier to go, ah, well, I don't care about the characters, but uh, that's fine. You know, it's funny. Let's watch, hit that guy. You are helping backwards. <laughs> I know, I know. You are helping me clarify some of what I was trying to say, though, in saying that because I do, I, I think that is kind of what I was trying to get at with my weird Sylvester Stallone comment earlier, which is yeah. just like, I do think that's all this movie is at the end of the day. It is just a fun, cool action blockbuster that has a just fun, cool concept for a fun, cool visual that it wrote a whole story around. But it's two and a half hours long and has like, a, actually a lot of exposition and and a lot of like hand wringing and sort of like trying to suss all this stuff out that the big dumb action movie it actually is at the end of the day yeah. doesn't need talking to an academic versus talking to like your average joe yeah, you yeah. know like the, that yeah. seems like the difference between those like two movies to me yeah, yeah. And, and i will say like the cool thing about the second time through is not just that like the pieces sort of lock into place um, but also like there's little moments that even just now I'm like, oh, it's funny that like Robert Pattinson says that he has a graduate degree in physics, but he he's working for Brit British intelligence. I'm like, yeah. well, maybe that's John David Washington being like, you need to go get a graduate degree in physics because we're going to have to deal with some shit. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so there's like uh, little yeah. stuff like that, like sprinkled yeah. throughout that I actually yeah. think is really cool and really fun. But it's like the movie's like almost like the inverse of Avatar where we're like, we all saw Avatar and we're like, oh, it looks cool. But like, it's literally the same story that we've seen in like yeah. five other movies. And it's like trying to not do that. But sometimes the reason, but the reason like Avatar became the highest grossing movie of all time is because we like familiarity and comfort. And so it was like, here's the thing that like, you kind of know how it's going to play out, but it's going to do it in a way that you literally haven't seen before. Yeah. yeah. And this is like, here's a brand new concept and I'm going to play with it. And, you know, like I said, I, I just don't think it's as successful as that, but I like, I feel like I get where he's trying to go. Yeah. And I just don't yeah. think he gets as far. Yeah, I, I just don't think it's as successful as, as it should have been or could have yeah. been. I mean, even that finale set piece, we, we literally said to each other earlier, I was like, who is even fighting in that scene? Because at, by the end of the scene, it kind of seems like the teams are fighting each other. But I know that's not what's happening. I'm very aware that that's we not just, what's yeah, happening. They're, they're just fighting group. like the general security of that place. Yeah, right. you know, and so, which is not really a compelling thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 It just and and yeah, I, it just was like that whole thing of that whole sequence is like this kind of looks cool, but I genuinely do not understand what we're doing. It became here. a war movie for fifteen. Yeah, it was like right. I don't know yeah. who's but being it, fought. Yeah. I don't know right. why they're being fought. I you know. It became a war movie without a shorthand, so it's not yeah. like oh they're fighting Nazis right now, right. and that's yeah. all I yeah. need to know because I know what Nazis are. <laughs> yeah, like they're exactly. fighting Kenneth Branagh's hired goons that he paid for with gold bars. Right. <laughs> yes. The loopers. Gold bars. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Dan, actually, I that is another well, thing where you had said you watched Looper afterwards. I watched Looper in the in the wake of this. And as soon as it got to the point where it started talking about this future organization that is sending things back, I was like, oh, it makes sense why you wanted to watch Looper after this, because Looper yeah. is yeah. a very yeah. similar concept. Uh, and gold bars. Yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> gold bar uh, and, but to compare those two movies, that is a movie with very clear emotional stakes for all of its characters. Yeah. And that's why yeah. I think, for me... That movie's like a tremendous movie compared comparatively. If if we are exclusively comparing these two movies in a vacuum, yeah, that I one works Looper. tremendously well in a way that this one does not. What's funny? I is, think it's like which one's the better movie, Looper? But which one do you want to see in IMAX tonight? Right. Yeah. I mean, then it's gonna be 
Tenet. Yeah, it's funny. Like Looper is my least favorite Ryan Johnson movie, and I feel like it's actually for similar similar reasons. Where like there's things in the movie that are so distracting, like uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's fake Bruce Willis chin in that movie. That like <laughs> that it, bugged me this time around in a big way. Yeah, and like I don't remember it being a problem before, but I also just rewatched it a couple weeks ago, and I was like, oh, this is like really taking, and just like oh, that's em- that's uh, Emily Blunt, but she's not speaking in her actual voice. She's doing like an, a Kansas accent or whatever. And I was like, what is even happening right now? And like watching Looper, <laughs> I was disappointed with how much I did not enjoy her performance in that movie. Yeah. When I rewatched it the other day, I couldn't believe it because I love her. Um, oh, man. You guys but, break my heart. I like all of the things that you're that that you guys don't like about this movie. That's totally fine. That, that, yeah. That's what I mean. Like I feel like it's like the opposite experience. Like they are yeah. an interesting duo of yeah. movies. Because again, to me, like there's cool core concepts, and they both have they both basically have the thing where it's like Looper in the scene in the diner where he's like, "Look, if we're gonna sit here talking yeah. about time travel, we're gonna be here all day, and we're not gonna get anything done." <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of the same. What am I? What am I, college professor? <laughs> Uh, they kind of have that same ethos in approaching like the timey wimey loopy stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, and I think they're both you know pretty good movies at the end. Yeah. Of the I think Tenet is severely lacking in jet motos though. <laughs> jet motos are a asset to any movie that you throw them in, and even though they are underused in Looper, <laughs> there's no jet motos <laughs> in Tenet, and you know. All I'm saying is we could use we could use some uh, jet motor representation in some action movies these days. Now here's a question for you. I was dicking around on Reddit. Uh, does anybody feel like pontificating on the theory that Neil, which is a uh, uh, Pattinson's character, is uh, Debicki's son? Oh, oh interesting. I mean, yeah, but, why not? Okay, but yeah, like I, there's no reason against it. I don't think there's any material in the movie that like explicitly says it. He does show weird care to her at moments that seems out of place. I'm struggling to think of one now, but there was a couple points where I was like, he's rather tender towards her. And it's not a horny tenderness that you get from like action movies. And if he I just wonder keeps if there's following her here. through time, like well, or yeah. she keeps like giving him messages. But, so he like shows up to like protect her at certain but this times. This gets into Ryan's question earlier about if you're reversing entropy, mm-hmm. how could it be her son and him be an adult? Like, because he would ostensibly have to, as an adult, start traveling backwards on the timeline. And if that's a that's a child in where we are in the movie, right? Yeah, her child is like a child. It's a child where we are in like the movie. He's like ten years old or whatever. But yeah. let's say that that child grows up, and then when he's Robert Pattinson's age, that is when the Tenet program, as founded by John David Washington, begins, mm-hmm. and he can now move backwards but but the question yeah then the question is he would age all that wouldn't he right yeah. it's that, but i mean i think so Maybe. we don't know that for sure right. but i think ba- well i mean again, i think the movie would say that if he had to get back to let's see aged 30 years to yeah. get back to that point where he's a kid he would then have to be it, it would take another 30 years to right. get there in my opinion right. he would either be 30 years older or entropy would be reversed and he'd be 30 years younger again i can't see him just maintaining that same age yeah. in 30 years of travel. Agreed. Agreed. I think that, that that puts that theory in the dirt. I'm pretty, yeah. Yeah. I, I am curious to know. No, I think that you're right, yeah. I'm very curious to know whether he would get older or younger. Like yeah. that actually, that's yeah. a great question. Um, yeah. I'm very curious to know. But I don't, I can't see him just maintaining that age across time. You know what I mean? I, I don't yeah. see that as a, a but 
you know, I can I, find a way that it's compatible with the mechanics of it, then I think that it's a there's probably a valid way to do it. But I think as I understand the mechanics, there's no possible way for him right. to do that. Yeah, right. Um, because he would, whole... you would always be the age that you were relative yeah. to where you yeah. are because yes. of the entropy thing. This is kind of why I brought up that first scene where the lady instructs him about like the bullets and she says like it's a feeling or whatever. Because it's like, I actually like that concept a lot, but it feels like that concept, like it gets lost in like the, the mud of this movie a little bit where I'm like, I don't even know how to make sense of that concept by the end of the movie. Cause I'm not exactly sure. I think you guys are probably right that it's mm-hmm. just like, Oh, material and people get affected differently by this. And so like you can kind of do this force thing with the material that you wouldn't really be able to do with a person being an inverted person doesn't give you the power to do the force thing. You can just do the force thing, whether you're inverted or not, blah, blah, blah. But I don't think if the, movie the thing is inverted to your relative position. Right. Right. I don't think if the movie... it's my gun, I can't do the force, right. but if it's the inverted guy's gun, I can't, you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. I don't think the movie does a great job of illustrating those mechanics enough Mm -hmm. in the same way that I don't think it illustrates. And it's not necessarily even a problem with the movie. It just, it's what we're talking about where it doesn't really actually give us enough information about like how this works to know whether someone would get older or younger. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. um, And, and so the same thing with that material, it's like, it doesn't give me enough information to know, like, is that material, has it aged through this process? You know what I mean? It's like, I just yeah, don't yeah. fully yeah. know how that works. It's no, kind of on the table. It's one of those things, that's a, that's a moment in the movie, though, where they, they literally say, like, distrust doesn't work. See right. you at home, distrust doesn't work. Right. And so, like, that is one where they, like, kind of explicitly tell you, like, this is just a weird side effect. These are not the droids you're looking for. This is just one of those things that needs to exist so that we can make neat fights. Right, yeah. you know, yeah. well, cheese grater, and then I know, you go, but yeah. I, do, I do feel like that describes this whole movie is like yeah. this is all just an excuse for neat fights. So stop thinking about it. It's like, yeah, but it's a two and a half hour movie that tells me to think all the time. Yeah, and like I said, I think ultimately it all hangs together. It's just not the best at telling you how yeah. to watch. Like, it's it's like Inception, especially feels like a like a Super Mario game where you, like you play the first level and the game is like teaching yeah. you how to play and yeah. this is like they do the first level and then they skip to like world 3 level 8 yeah. and you're like wait the sun is trying to kill me now what <laughs> yeah, the fuck yeah. like but it yeah. also it like as, starts as world soon as he's in yeah. tenet yeah they open the door to tenet and it's literally a 5 minute scene of like we're going to have to explain the mechanics of this and then you just got to get to work but and even, it's like, yeah, they don't they don't hit you with much. Like it it and opens, keep, and you know, moving at ten. To him as a rookie, but I'm like, but he hasn't been acting like a rookie since he found it out. Like he immediately was like, yeah, I get it now. Like cool, I'm doing this. Yeah, shit. yeah. And honestly, if we're talking rookie, rookie material does not include fucking someone's hand up with a cheese grater. That yeah. is that is <laughs> well, he's pro a, at, I mean, at he's, minimum. He starts the movie as a CIA operative, and yeah, yeah. Oh, so like wait. he knows stuff. Can I ask the stupidest question in the world? And this is just one of those things where it's like, I, 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 to me, this is evidence of this being kind of messy storytelling that I don't know the answer to this question. Um, but like, so when they repel upwards into that building, that like first mission they go on, yep. no one's inverted and that has nothing to do with inverted material, right? Correct. That's just a cool gadget. Right. You know, they're just doing okay. Mission Impossible shit. I was, rocks. That was, initi- yeah, that was yeah. one of the first things that initially confused me because that comes right on the heels of bullets can be inverted. You can invert all kinds of stuff. 
and then they do this repelling thing that I've never seen a human be able to do that looks a lot like inverted bungee jumping. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I was like, is he intentionally trying to confuse me? Or am I, I thinking well, about he, it? No, that was just a straight up stunt, yeah. And then yeah. he explains to Robert Pattinson yes. what's going on, and I'm like, oh, I thought you guys yeah. already knew that because you did the bungee jump thing. Right. But then I was like, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to sound like an idiot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, they, they what's funny is they are reverse bungee jumping right. in the sense that they're starting from the bottom yes. and then going back yeah. up without having come down. Yes. <laughs> and I it looked so wild when yeah. they like, actually oh, yeah. get yeah. on the building. And that, that It was wasn't like... inversion. It was a series of pulleys and counterweights. Right. That <laughs> <caused> <laughs> I do think because the movie is like, it's trying to start getting me to think about these things, but then immediately pulls back and is like, nope, these are just some gadgets. Like it just, it immediately gets into this confusing yeah. territory of like, That's wait, so hold funny. on. I just had such a these... different experience. Yeah. It's I, just I, wild. Like that read straight for me. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I was so trying to keep up with the pace of the movie by that point. Cause it's so like, it's a very aggressively paced movie, yes, yeah. but I, I don't think my brain had time to stop and think about Cause I'm like, okay, if they were, if they were traveling through time, like I would know. Right. And like, I think like, I, I just don't even think my brain got to the point of like deconstructing what was happening. I was literally like, wait, okay. So are they bungee? Like he's screwing something through the roof. They're like, he's like pulling a catapult thing. They're just going to launch themselves up. So then yeah. like, I was just trying to figure out what was happening See, where I was, I was, I didn't even get to the, like, I was so caught up in the initial concept of like, you can control this inverted material that I immediately started then trying to, then I was like, okay, yeah, so you're trying how, to see it what happen. does that yeah. imply about the rest of this movie? Nothing. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the rest of this movie. Weird. That's funny. Yeah. Cause when they laid down and strapped in for that, my thought had nothing to do with inversion. It was just like, imagine if you were like, yeah, I'll do a job. And someone's like, all right, strap into this. I'm like, I got mentioned. Um, yeah, stairs. We like, can do stairs. I don't, I don't know how you then land on the right. building without smacking your fucking face yeah. yeah. on that building. Yeah, yeah um, that's the thing. They, like, assume that he just knows his stunts. Right. They're like, yeah, this is your standard uh, counterweight pulley system right up the side of the building. It's the Batman yeah. shit. I'd be like, yeah, yeah. I don't think me. I'm qualified for this. Yeah. <laughs> this is, uh, I didn't receive this training. I think I was out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that uh, even that opening sequence in the opera like l left me cold only in the sense that I've seen plenty of action I mean The Dark Knight is a famous example of this action movies where like you don't really know what's happening but you are following along with yeah. what's happening, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like intentionally a little bit confusing but that's what makes it exciting is you you don't totally know, you're trying to put it together. I never understood what happened in the beginning of that movie. I was lost from the moment it started that action sequence because I didn't know what the goal of that All action right. sequence was and I didn't know what the goal of that action sequence was when it was over and yeah, I, mean, I still right. didn't understand it when they tried to re-explain it to me later I just like I never knew what that was about. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the difference where like the Dark Knight opens with a bank with a bank robbery. We all know what yeah. bank robberies are and like we don't know what uh time he like heisting yeah. time travel Right. gear is like we only I, have one reference to time heists in popular culture at this point I kept thinking and it's a about recent one. my experience with inception when we were watching it last night because i'm like oh i remember when i first saw inception in theaters and i was like so confused but i was like but everything looks amazing so i guess i'm just here like i'm just mm -hmm. in this shit regardless mm -hmm. of what happens and eventually it just all clicked and made sense yeah 
where I was like, oh, I guess I just have to do that. I like strap in and eventually it's going to click. And it just like didn't happen here, which kind of sucked. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, there's thing. there's no eureka moment in this one. Yeah. It kind yeah. of just assumes that you settle into seeing that exactly. aspect of you know, it. it. The visual feels- I'm giving to the listeners is the fingers interlacing. Yeah, that's right. And it feels well, like it feels like the movie thinks. <laughs> thank you for that Blade Runner reference. It, it it feels like the movie thinks that seeing the actual inversions is the exact same thing as in Inception when you see the van start to roll. Yeah. And then yeah. you see the hallway start to roll, and that all really starts to click for you. Where that visual in Inception is a perfect visual for what the concept of Inception is, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. it all makes sense immediately as soon as you see that, right? Everything just falls into place. It feels like he thinks the same thing happens when you see people do inverted action in this movie, but it does not. Like, seeing yeah. that visual doesn't help explain it, what the story yeah. is, you yeah. know? Yeah, it's not intuitive. Right, yeah. 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 It feels like it's he thinks intuitive. it is. It feels right. like he tells the story mm-hmm. in a way where he thinks when you see that happen, Everything will click for yep. you and it'll fall into place. Yeah. And it doesn't quite. I think that is the kernel of the shortcoming of m- most of this movie for me. Yeah. The other bit being the emotional stuff that we've talked right, about a lot. Right, yeah. I think those are the two things at the center of this movie that like that's what it's it's that's what's gonna keep it from rising in my right. Nolan filmography yeah. and my end of year list. Like it's yeah. those right. two things. I, I, I think you I think you nailed it. Yeah, yeah I agree. I, I think in being muddy in that regard, it makes the time travel like it's it's fun to think about time travel. I think it we is. all agree with that. And like there are ways, and I think that's one of them, where this kind of puts a lid on the degree to which you can think about the time travel right. before it starts to become conjecture. Yeah. And uh, you know, because there's no uh, like it, it defies you to solve the inherent logic because the reality of the movie is that even they don't fully understand the inherent logic. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so there's never that click moment. And then it just becomes a matter of how much you can you you're willing to jive with that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah in the movie, right. and it's like, yeah, no, I, I think I think that is the the heart of it. There is is exactly that. Is there's just no, you don't have the data to do the fun, uh, you know, as much fun. But what if this? But what if this? Right. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and so I mean, I did like this movie. I had a good time watching it, but I feel like I mostly liked it on the the actual like charisma of its leads. Than, than I did on, you know, the movie itself. The movie, it really did feel like a cool Twilight Zone concept that didn't totally click for me. Yeah, I, I was just so excited to yeah. see John David Washington on yeah. screen again. Yeah. And now that I feel like I'm, I'm like a fan of Robert Pattinson, yeah. like see him and yeah, like all and of them together. their chemistry was great, I thought. Yeah, they, yeah. they were yep. so much fun together yeah. when they allowed those two yes, characters to like have fun, yeah. which was that, great. Ryan, to your prestige point earlier, I actually, that was a little frustrating for me in the movie too. There were too many sections where John David was just like off on his own doing stuff. And I was like, dude, bring your fucking partner because your chemistry is what's keeping this yeah, movie alive for so me. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, That is kind of wild too because the nature of the movie is that Pattinson can't be buddy-buddy right. with him because it's all compartmentalized. Yeah. Yeah. And once again, that one lens pullback letter, you know, later on the, you know, the proposed sequel would actually have both them getting to know each other at the front end yeah. of the story and them building a plan as grizzled old veterans at the end. Yes. My God, that would yeah. be fun. Ooh, I know, yeah. so I know. Yeah, and and I think again a second time through, like now that you know where those moments kind of are, like they're easier yeah. to savor and enjoy because you can just yeah. sink into them more. And I mean that's with any watching any movie, uh, you yeah. know, multiple okay. times. But I think yeah. I think that piece of it actually like feels 
better because you're not just like trying to follow exactly what's happening. You're like, oh, like I remember this conversation. They talk about this thing, so I can just enjoy the performances right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I also, I mean, how, how do you guess who all this? The other thing was a little. I had a little bit of a problem with Debecky's character, only in as much as. I both wanted her to be like more involved in like the actual plot of the mm-hmm. movie and like I actually wanted them to but I also felt like because she wasn't directly involved in a lot of the plot of the movie they spent too much time cutting back to her and her plot. Do you know what I'm saying? I felt like her plot yeah. actually intertwine enough with the main plot mm-hmm. of the movie, especially uh, I, since the one big emotional hook is her making the decision right. to to let him know that he yeah, failed I, when the whole thing is about him not knowing. Um, I, I, yeah, think I mean, that's like the one character thing in there that, that they tried to build up to. And I don't know if they found, I, I mean, yeah. for me, for me, it works as she is the only character that has really has an arc and yes. like yeah. her arc landed for me the first time. And the second time, knowing the shape of it mm-hmm. and how she was going to actualize through getting pulled into this thing that she was sort of turning a blind eye to and like all that kind of stuff. Like it really, um, it, it really worked for me and like just the little, the little kind of bond stuff where like she tries to like kill him by throwing him off the boat. But then yeah. like John David, like he has to go save him and like, yeah, yeah. like all that stuff yeah. is actually like more fun. Like, I feel like this movie, the biggest difference for me between viewing one and viewing two actually was that it was just a more fun experience because I wasn't trying to understand all yeah. of the basics. I was like, all right, I'm going to look for these pieces that I know I'm missing and try to fill those yeah. gaps in. And then like, you know, just see how it is as a movie. And um, yeah, I will you know. say this conversation yeah. has led me to look forward to that second viewing yes. more than I was. Cool. Um, I, cause I feel, and, and, you know, I do think that's going to ultimately be a, a, a problem. This movie has, it seems like from the reviews I'm reading is just, I, I honestly didn't really want to watch this again when I was done. I was like, that was enough of a broken movie for me that it, it was cool and fun in the moment and I probably never need to watch it again because it just didn't totally work. Yeah, it, it's funny Oof. because uh, I, I saw it mostly because my wife is actually a very big Nolan fan and we like rewatched Interstellar which is a very long movie that I really love and I went back and read my original review and I was like oh man like I'm so close to letting myself like just be won over by it and then like by the second viewing it's like my favorite of his movies yeah. and like it hits me like a ton of bricks and mm-hmm the scale is different here in terms of how much I liked it and then how much I came to love it. Yeah. Yeah. But it does, but it made me, uh, that difference in opinion for a lot of his movies and Dan, you alluded to it earlier. Like that made me want to go back. And I felt like I was very rewarded by going back where I was worried that I was going to be like, Oh, now that I know the thing, I'm just going to be bored by it. But like, I was actually more engaged even the second time. I was also like the first time I was just really freaked out about like being in a theater, in a theater outside of my house, yeah, even dude. even in like ideal conditions at a press screening, like I was, I was had trouble sleeping the night before, and not just because like <laughs> I was excited about the movie, but I was also yeah. anxious about the movie, and yeah. like mm-hmm. it was just a very, it's been a weird year, and so that yes. that does color it somewhat. Yeah. yeah, that's most movies. The second time around, you like, you don't, uh, you're not tasked with with fighting the tiger. So you, right. you can dance right. with the well, tiger. And, it, and, it's <laughs> like, and you know what rhythm. it is. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it, it ceases to become a possibility of things and it yes. is just this one thing. And, you know, mm. ultimately, I, I mean, think that, yeah. people need to see it twice for it to actually make any money. So. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. you know it's gonna be great when Christopher Nolan's next movie is just like a fucking cheap indie. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, why the fuck not? That'd be killer. He would not hey, have the part. 
It works when people go back to basics sometimes. Yeah. Maybe he you needs it. Yeah. He can make a sequel. We'll call it Memento. <laughs> and he loses more memory. It's even shorter now. So it's just like five minute bursts. Yeah. He speed reads his tattoos and gets to work. It just occurred to me that this is a much more expensive version of that movie. That is it also is. a movie where a yeah. man is literally living time forwards and backwards at once. Mm-hmm. And that's a movie that I think is a very good movie. It's been a while since I've seen it. But that's another one where at the end of that movie, um, thinking about how I felt about it, you know, it turned out to be a movie that I was more enamored with the device of it than I ever was with the story of it. Yes. And even though I think that movie just by design probably has a little more character work than something like Tenet, I can appreciate Tenet as essentially a memento with a budget where he's saying, I want to show you what I can do with this device that I've been manipulating for decades. Yeah. And then we go, well, who's going to be in it? He goes, but I want to show you this cool device and how he you know, I'm going to transform it into a truck and then a per you know, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. He's enamored with the toys and he's hitting them together and we're having a blast, but you know, but yeah, it's very, it's very memento in that you're there for the device more so than the actual story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the device is literally like forward and backward time, which is what mm-hmm. happens too. It's just, you know, that movie's broken up into more, uh, I guess, like, digestible. This segment is forward. This segment is backward. You know what I mean? Has, yeah. anyone, has anyone tried to watch the version of that movie where it's, like, chronological? I have not. I haven't. Yeah. I'm I, interested in what that would be like. I know. I can't imagine boring. that's actually it, a good movie. It has to be boring, yeah. right? Yeah. It, it, yeah. Because that movie is only interesting in as much as it's design. the design yeah. of it is what makes it Because the damn thing makes it sense. Like, if you're not yeah. invested in, like, yeah. the characters and the plot and stuff, then it's like, well, like, yeah. yeah, really all the all it had was the yeah. the device. I mean, it's funny to yeah. think about that that's a movie that is reverse engineered on its device, but as you're saying, damn, because it's small, it almost naturally has to become about its characters too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're not gonna this, crash an airplane into right. an airport in Memento. We just don't <laughs> have the resources. Because yeah. this movie is big, it's much more clear that it is just a story designed around its device, and that does Become a bit I, maybe self defeating would be like a, the kinder way to to say that you know on, on the movie's part mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, when the character comes in and suggests, in... <laughs> I was just gonna say when they like suggest like, oh well, this is how you guys are gonna get in and how we're gonna get the the alarms off. We just have to crash a plane. I was yeah. like, it's just like yeah. Christopher, Christopher Nolan's rep coming in, being like, well, clearly this is what we have to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's the only option. It's the only, it's the only option. <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah, I'm sure that scene cost more than Memento. Yeah. yeah, it really did. Chris Chris Nolan is one of those guys that like love him or hate him. I am always gonna have massive respect for him because, you know, whatever misgivings about the release of Tenet or you know just about what his uh, concerns are within a story, I think that his concerns in terms of like, you know, preserving the theat- <laughs> divorced of a of a uh, of a global pandemic. The fact that he is a big hero and and champion for the idea of like, there's a reason you go to a movie, and I want to keep yeah. making those reasons to actually go, and uh, I, I will always respect him for that and for film preservation work and all of that, and that helps me pave over because I I would say that that Tenet is on my not least favorites of his, but it's certainly not amongst my my favorite favorites. But at the same time, I watch that movie and go, this is a movie that exists because it wants my ass in a seat getting blown through the back of the theater with spectacle. And on that front, 
uh, you know, it's it's Chris Nolan doing a pretty good job with a pretty big budget. And he's yeah. devoted to practical effects. I think I lost everybody. It's okay. Yep, I came back. Go. It's probably our internet. Yeah. Uh, All I heard was he's devoted time. to practical effects, and then it cut. Oh, yeah. We were just yeah. That we were just like, yep. We. I, I mean, this movie does have yeah. some very. good... I mean, you cool brought up uh, Avengers earlier, and it's like so much of that is just CGI, and yeah. so seeing something where someone is trying to do everything they can to not use CGI yeah. is pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's super yeah. cool. We. I mean, we use. Uh, something from his movies as shorthand for creating shots in lens and how the best effects are in pre-production. The term we always use on this show is flip the truck. Right. Yeah. And that's from that's yeah. from the Dark Knight. Dark they flip yeah. that mm-hmm. fucking truck and it's a goddamn iconic moment uh-huh. because they actually flipped the truck and just pointed a camera at it. Yep. Yeah. And so Nolan is I, always the truck flipper. Honestly, at this point, he should just fucking remake Heat. Like that's what he right? it's like every movie he includes enough scenes that are just scenes practically from a Heat sequel <laughs> and they're always the best scenes in every movie he makes. It's like just fucking make a Heat sequel, dude. Just do it. I'd be down yeah. for that. I would watch the hell out of it. Yeah. We'll get Tangerine Dream to do the uh yeah. Do the score. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Thank God you said that because I, truly, I think the best thing about score. this movie is the score. Yeah. yeah, I think the score to this movie is phenomenal. So good. Ludwig Göransson is amazing. He's quickly yes. becoming one of my favorite film composers, and this, the score is fantastic. He's what else very, has he done? So he did uh, the Black Panther score oh, as well. Oh shit! Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh fuck yeah. And uh, the Mandalorian. Yeah, the Mandalorian. Oh, is yes. Man, uh, that Mandalorian what? theme is just so good. Uh, it's so like, what a it's, great derivative it's of Star recorders. Wars feel. It's yes. like plastic instruments. He's, yeah. the thing, he's not afraid to mix mediums, which is a thing that has been happening in music for the last decade or two, like pop mm-hmm. music, but has not happened in film scoring really. And I think that. So we're looking has, towards like new metal. Right, yeah. In films. Mm-hmm. Well, he, uh, <laughs> he worked really closely with uh, Donald Glover on a couple right. of his albums. Yes, as oh, well cool. So, like, I can hear that. Yeah. yeah. He, and I think that he is bringing a legitimate hip hop sensibility to film scoring, which is kind of a remix sensibility, a sort of sampling sensibility. Like, he is mixing mediums in a way that I've never really heard mm-hmm. people do. Well, you know, like Dan, actually, like the Swiss Army Man soundtrack would maybe be another good example of this mixing mediums. And so, like, it has happened before, but he's doing it on a scale that he's doing it for movies that, you know, big blockbuster movie. I've never really heard music like his music in blockbusters yeah. before. I've right. never yeah. heard music exactly. like his music. And to make that sort of marriage that you're talking about. Um, like, and I love the score for Swiss Army Man, but there's like yeah. a level of novelty to that that I think yeah. is part of it that yeah. is absent from yes, uh, Gordonson's scores. It's yeah. it's it's a mel- it's a melding of things that's natural and doesn't feel like a you know, it doesn't feel like new metal. Like, look, our metal right. band has a DJ. Well, like, yeah, it he actually did the... has like it, it feels natural. <laughs> I believe he did the score for Creed as well. Did, and yeah. if you yeah. think of the score for Creed, it is straight up a hip hop soundtrack that also sounds like a Rocky score. It's yeah. like both at the same time. Yeah. And not just impressive. on a level of like samples from the right. Rocky score. You like just well put a beat behind the Rocky that. score. Right. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, yeah. He's amazing. And I, the score for this was a good, it was my favorite oh, thing yeah. about the movie by like a mile. So good. I loved it. Yeah. Um, I think we should probably try and wrap this up here. Yeah, um, what I don't yeah. even know what time it is. We're 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 hitting the two hour ten mark, Dan. This is the longest episode we've oh, done in a while. Shit. We're almost uh into uh tenet. 
length. That's right. That's right. Um, we've, well, we've had I'll a conversation worthy. I have been working my way through the Albert Brooks offerings on Criterion Channel, and oh. everyone should watch Modern Romance. I watched this movie last night, and it just fucking rocked me. So uh, if I can part with a recommendation, that is it. I've heard on nothing Criterion but good Channel, things about that. Yeah. Modern Romance is fantastic. Uh, awesome. What's his other one that I always hear good things about? Um, Was it Real things? Life? Because I watched that the other day, too. No, no it's... Is James L. Brooks. No, it's called... <sighs> Oh, am I thinking of it? No, it's called like Surviving in America or something like that. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, his movies are ones I've always meant to go and like deep dive. Now that they're on Criteria, I'll actually be able to do that easily. Yeah. Um, Well, why don't uh, why doesn't everybody throw out some plugs? Wait, wait, I just lost all of that. Everybody cut out. What Albert Brooks movie were you looking for? It like cut out insanely. Uh, I am looking it up now to try and find. Is it it real life? No, it's not. It's defending your uh, it's life. Defending your life. That's what I'm thinking. Oh. That is on Criterion Channel too, and that movie's fantastic, and it is a top tier rip torn performance. Yeah, I've oh, heard cool. that movie's great. Um, why don't we do uh, plugs? We'll start with uh, Tori, and then go to Ryan, and keep going around. Uh, well, you can find my podcast, Butter With That. We should be recording an episode tomorrow. Um, and then I also write for Cinema 76, and I just had uh, another installment of my Cronenberg series out. So uh, check Crash, out baby. Crash, yeah. Yo, isn't that movie fucking metal? I fucking love that movie. Man, yeah, I love that movie so much. And I enjoyed it the first time, but watching it a second time, I was like, oh, holy shit, this is like top tier Cronenberg and just so good. And yeah. yeah, I'm obsessed yeah. with it. I think, I think your piece on that was the best one in the series so far, honestly. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, you can find uh, me on one of my other podcasts. Um, you can find me on shame files. We're on a bit of a hiatus, but we will be back. Uh, you can find me on my other movie podcast. I saw in a movie, which is a movie advice podcast. I do with um, past guest and future guest, Rosalie kicks of movie, John, um you can also find my formula one podcast that i do with ian kimball uh which is called f yeah f1 so you can find those where we get your your podcast wherever you listen to this you can probably find us there um you can also find my writing on cinema76.com and you can follow me on twitter and letterbox at silver whatever uh with a b okay i'm at dan scully on all of the things uh twitter letterboxd all that fun stuff um, check out cinema76.com, check out findy.com, check out my other podcast, Hot Property. Um, we actually <laughs> talked a little bit about Tenet on it this week, too, but more just trying to freak each other out with time travel uh, uh, theories and algorithms and such. Mostly we talk about snacks. Dan, um, I love the name of that one because it always makes it sound like it's some new HGTV episode, yeah. like show or something. <laughs> we flipped stolen houses. Hot property. <laughs> no, honestly, it's quite literally a reference to a Norm Macdonald joke. That's where it began. Uh-huh. It's just a Norm Macdonald oh, joke funny. that we use in conversation. Um, so yeah, so check that out. Um, yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Philadelphia, and uh, I'm on Cinema76.com. Uh, Tori and I are going to be putting together like a pretty cool uh, Halloween, probably like slasher movie list uh, 
for uh, October. That's yeah. uh, something that we are working on together, which is kind of fun and cool. And our next nice. episode, that I mean, well, your next episode will be at our new studio. Yeah, I guess nice. actually all, well, uh, yeah, like pretty much all future movie movie recordings will be coming from Ghostwood Manor. We leave, uh, we leave Murder House this week and we move to Ghostwood Manor. Ghostwood We're very Studios. Excited. Yes. That sounds Uh, awesome. (laughs) That has a really good sound. Yeah. And also, Uh, of course, you can check out the show everywhere at I Like To Movie. Please like, subscribe, interact, uh, give us a rating, leave us a review, uh, do whatever to uh, dick pics, whatever you got to do to get us out there. Get it going. Don't, I mean, don't, don't send us, don't send anyone dick pics. That's really just kind of a blanket rule in life and in existence. Just don't do it. Um, And uh, yeah. But yeah, so, but I mean, like, we'll take them if it means you're interacting <laughs> with us is kind of the moral of the story. So just, yeah, definitely uh, reach out. We want you to be inside of us. Reach out with your dicks. Okay, my name is <laughs> Kurt right Smith, and I like to movie movie. <laughs> my name's Dan Scully, and I like to movie movie. My name is Ryan uh, Silverstein, and I like to movie movie. <laughs> my name is Tori Potenza, and I also like to movie movie. And we all know that you like to movie movie because we, we like, like to, to, to movie movie. movie.